Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life episode 106. My name is NBZ, and in the dead of winter we are right now, uh, as I have been outside constructing a snowman. I haven't thought of a name for him yet. Um, but his face fell off this morning because the rain was happening <laughs> and now he's just a faceless <laughs> snowman uh very sadly so but uh bally joins me uh, i don't know that you have any snow around you in the old brussels um we had a lot of snow i w- in th- this weekend i was in bruges as well as brussels and at the weekend we had snow in bruges and then today we had a lot of snow in brussels but it's been warm enough today where it all just basically melted straight away which was oh that's a shame a shame it's just horribly horrible and slush but it was the same in Bruges it was just ugh. yeah that's uh that's unfortunate it was definitely very thick yesterday I woke up and I was like oh my god it's just it keeps going the snow was still falling like it was thick and 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 really good and I went into the garden of my grandparents house and just made a massive ass snowman that's unusual Uh, for London as well yeah, it doesn't really happen that often, but it was really cool, and I enjoyed it, and, and that was a fun time. Uh, so it, I guess you can check my Instagram if you want to see that picture of me with my snowman. So that, that gets a very rare plug on this podcast. Yeah, no, I never I never plug my Instagram ever. It's not really a thing I use that often, um, but hey, there you go. Uh, Bali, we're here again for the end of the year. It's starting. The, it's the first game, game of the year, year train begins, um, and that's what we're going to be talking about a lot in this show. Um, so how about you tell folks what this episode's going to be all about? For our first segment, we are going to be talking about what we have been playing. There's still lots coming out at this very late stage in the year. And then for our second segment, uh, we asked lots of you guys to send in your games of the year that didn't actually come out this year uh, that you've been playing. So we'll go through those for our second segment. And our third segment, we will list off our own top 10 uh, games of the year that didn't actually come out this year as we always enjoy to call it on the show it's, it's become a tradition uh it's a great tradition say. but also like i keep thinking every year should we just call it like this the old game of the year list but then i think no we just have to be convoluted it's you know it suits us we're going to be convoluted it's very clear that and... it's convoluted but clear right you, you don't want you don't want people to be confused by the term old games i mean what like i don't know i like Fair how enough. specific we are even if it is long you know what that's the brand that's the brand we're being very specific and that's how we do things uh so yeah it's, it's going to be a big show it's going to be a lot to do uh so why don't we just jump straight into it bali uh things have been happening in the world of nintendo uh but you're still chugging along with some nice mario odyssey in the yes, background yes i i'm plugging away at mario odyssey i'm up to 460 moons i'm, at, I'm getting about... close to that final challenge there at yeah i'm about 30 hours in and i'm definitely not going to do the final challenge until it's my final moon that's uh, what i did as well i saved yeah, until the end so i'll i'll wait on that I, I, it almost feels wrong not to do that right because exactly. the way that 3d land and 3d world were built was you had to do everything until you unlock that final challenge uh so it, right. in that tradition i understand why they allowed it to be open to people early because collecting 880 moons to be frank is obscene but uh it definitely you know it it just emotionally for me i had to do it that way it is obscene but i am enjoying it um and i have done the the very difficult jump rope challenge where you have to get 100 uh, jumps of the skipping ropes i managed that and like i said i'm i'm 100 it in terms of moons not going for purple coins and i'm up to the metro kingdom uh so far with new donk city so I'm probably like past halfway, uh, which is encouraging, and yeah, I'm loving it. So I'll check in with that. I'd like to beat it before the end of the year, get up to that 880, I think is the 
top number, although you do have to pay up to 999, I understand. Um, and yeah, so I'll check in with that later. I've also Great. been playing a lot more Rocket League. This is just, I'm just absolutely loving Rocket League. So um, Caroline's mum was staying with us. Uh, so I wasn't able to like play Switch in the living room or anything. So we would like bring the switch itself up to upstairs and then like just try out playing it like two player with the joy cons and it's actually very functional i mean it's, it doesn't work terribly well but i mean when you think about all the buttons you need for rocket league it's a joy con on its side you actually have all the buttons which is quite cool for a sports game essentially so yeah it does have the function i just don't think it works super well because unless you're putting on the sliders i can't remember the the um yeah we, we did put on the, the the sliders yeah but even even then yeah so unless you have those pressing the shoulder buttons is really difficult because i yeah. actually did this in the pub uh, with my mum because we went there because my dad wanted to watch the football and we sat there and i gave a joy con to my mom like okay i'm going to teach you how to play this video game it's about cars and football this and always goes well it went, went very badly she had no idea what to do <laughs> she was getting very annoyed and frustrated that she couldn't move where she wanted to because i think the thing with the camera in rocket league when it's locked on the ball when you're moving away from it as we discussed i think last time right. it's really difficult to orient yourself with a joystick you even for someone like it. us yeah. and for someone who has no idea how to play a game in three dimensions uh it, that seems like an impossibility so exactly. that was that was trouble for her but it it was a little uncomfortable uh for sure trying to play to like click in those sticks because you have to hold down accelerate and that's like one of the main buttons Precisely. on the shoulders on on the joy con so so yeah tough. we we tried with joy cons briefly then we gave up and then caroline would have the two joy cons together in the grip and i'd have the pro controller and it was just a joy to play like on the screen is actually really big and worked and didn't feel overly cramped and so like even I like said, split screen down the middle worked out right yeah it worked yeah. really well and like i said we went to bruges and we brought it then as well uh, we were staying in a hotel and it worked really well there again i didn't bother with the dock or anything it was just one night so i was like let's just bring the switch by itself brought the pro controller and it was a really smooth experience and we had blast playing some more rocket league i'm up to almost 20 hours with that game like it's it's really good fantastic um, and obviously the the big stealth release i guess you could say was from the game awards uh was the second pack of the zelda dlc uh the champion's ballad yeah uh which i picked up well i guess it was already downloaded i might i think because it didn't my, i don't believe my switch actually went through any downloading process it just kind of must have been a key or something overnight because i went well to... because you had already bought the dlc yeah. pack originally the expansion pass so i imagine it just pinged the wi-fi and was like okay there's an update to be queued and then it queued the update and downloaded it for you yeah because um, i basically didn't notice the download happening i just went into zelda and i was there it just starts and i was sure. like, wow that, that's cool whereas for um, me because i never bought the original expansion pass i had to go into the shop and buy the whole thing which is unfortunate because i just wanted the second dlc but hey i guess i've got master trials and stuff now which means that like when i jump into this thing it's going to be a lot more content for me to go through as opposed to just the yeah. second pack which is kind of cool um so the second pack is essentially on the on a very basic level it's 16 shrines uh and apparently although i'm not there yet a new dungeon which is just awesome um i'm not going to go into much more detail on those shrines and what they consist of and how you do it and and i don't know anything about the dungeon i just looked that up online later because i was very curious because i wasn't really seeing many straight answers everywhere and i still know i still don't know like the details of that dungeon so i'm, I'm yeah. keen to keep 
stay spoiler free i mean they did say in the original pitch for this second dlc that it was going to be new story content and a new dungeon and then they said extra challenges as well which i guess is being interpreted as new shrines uh so they delivered on their promise uh my skepticism with this dlc is um uh, the dungeons in breath of the wild were not the best part of breath of the wild uh, although i enjoyed some of them uh and the shrines there don't seem to be that many the the thing here is it doesn't seem like there's a new land mass right there's just it's just exactly, putting yeah. stuff in the existing so world the 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 gaming loop that really that most people who enjoyed breath of the wild would go back to was the loop of discovering new areas and then especially stuff like shrine quests working out how the world related to unlocking a shrine right. and then doing the shrine itself yeah um that whole loop is slightly broken with this dlc because you're getting the joy of shrine quests and stuff like you're working out how how to make these shrines rise up from the ground and the shrines themselves and the contents of them are really strong but it definitely is lacking in that sense of discovery. And the second that you realize that there is no new landmass, it's very hard for them to create something that has the same impact as right. going through the game first time around. So I, I, I am disappointed in the sense there wasn't a new landmass, but for what they have done, it's more of the same awesome game that I enjoyed so much earlier this year. And for that, I Fair think enough. it is actually really strong in that sense. Um, yeah. It, it it mixes up some mechanics. There's definitely some regurgitated stuff in there. Uh, I'm not going to spoil what that is, but uh, it's exciting. And I'm really, I'm about halfway through. I think I've done 10 of the uh, 16 shrines. So, uh, And are I you kind I of do... like looking these up or are you able to, because I imagined with shrines, right? Like you're going to be going across the world to try and find them or how is it kind of phased in that way um it so they do I, I won't go into too much detail but it is basically split into the four broad races the areas that right based okay on the four original dungeons all right so um, you have some sense of direction of, of where you're going yes yes and you're basically going to a point and then you're given a list of clues on how to get to these new shrines some of the clues are incredibly obvious some are more hidden um, and I'm glad some of them are more hidden than others, a bit more simple. It's a nice mix of pace. Yeah, those were some of my favorite shrine quests in the game, were the ones where it was more of a riddle and you really had to think about it. And I think my very favorite one, which you never figured out, uh, which I'm not going to spoil here, but like there, there are moments in that game where I was like, oh shit, and it just clicks in your brain. You're like, oh yeah. wow, that that's awesome. So, And I don't mean to disappoint, but I'm worried that these riddles aren't really riddles they're very very simplistic in comparison okay. to those proper shrine shrine quest uh, riddles the first time around i think some of them are weaker but uh i think it's still enjoyable and as i said the shrines themselves like the contents of the shrines is very very strong i've been incredibly impressed by some of the mechanics in those and the the combination of combat and puzzles and things like that is working working out really well have you found it difficult going back to Zelda now that it's been so many months removed and it was yeah. a pretty difficult game to learn the controls for, right? Like, is yeah, it difficult to um, rewire your brain back into it? Not really. I think I was back into it in the space of about five minutes. I sort of went through my inventory, worked out, right, what do I need here? What do I need here? Ah, yes, I like that. I like this. Let's fight a few guys. Let's warm up. Let's... And I was ready. Like, it wasn't It wasn't too bad. And okay. It's, it's the sort of muscle memory that once you've been playing 
the good old video games for a while it's not too difficult to to come back fair enough um, yeah i imagine yeah. when i jump back in i'm gonna be like oh shit i have so much stuff because i went into that final battle fully prepared with all these weapons and like my inventory was stocked full of like incredibly strong healing items it was ridiculous and then i ended up using none of them and just using the master sword so you right. know it, it kind of yeah. was uh, i was a bit broken overpowered by the end of that game well, they 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 do some interesting things that mix up that formula. If you're worried about being overpowered, okay. which I won't go into, but I'd highly recommend picking this up. I think if you liked the first run of the three of this game, this pack two is definitely much more enjoyable, more content, uh, more interesting than pack one. Um, and there's some be- beautiful cutscenes uh, that I would. Uh, they're so good, like, really, really great cutscenes, um, and. Yeah, I I would love to try and beat this and uh, Mario Odyssey before the end of the year. So yeah, I'd highly recommend ch- picking this up. I'm, I'm like I said, I've got a few more shrines to do, and then who knows what this dungeon is going to be like. Uh, I'm intrigued, uh, and I'm going to try and wrap that up very shortly. But and then you'll have the said, motorbike, and you can just and ride around yes, Hyrule on that. The motorbike, which is and so fucking say, crazy. You have to beat the dungeon to get the motorbike. So I think that's going to be most people's mainline uh, experience of this DLC. Um, yeah fair enough i i really am looking forward to just tearing up the dirt around hyrule yeah. field <laughs> it's all so of these people criticizing it for being out of theme out it's like you need to get off your high horse and get on the <laughs> motorbike because like that's, it's just the, fucking it's so just, cool oh you gotta be God. a bit zany at times you know that there that... was like concept art for this right because i think one of the ideas when they were bouncing around stuff for breath of the wild was ha- link having a motorbike um mm. and so like this was a thing that had kind of been in their mind i guess since the development process started on breath of the wild and i guess they were like you know what this is cool let's just do this uh and you, you know i can't fault them for it well exactly and the like link is on like a horse themed motorbike in the mario kart dlc you're like, right yeah it could totally be linked and that's really cool so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what that's like uh cool Another big game has come out, MBZ, yes. that I know that you've sunk quite a bit of time into. Uh, so, why don't you tell us about it? So Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out 10 days ago. And my activity log, I'm not sure if it's even updated yet. I call it the activity I'm, log. I'm intrigued to see this update. It's not even the activity log because it's uh, Nintendo's terrible. Um, the, the the friend profile list thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm not sure it's even updated yet, honestly. Um, oh, no, it's still, it's still... I think you're one day away, perhaps. Yes, it still says first played 10 days ago. So, uh, yeah, okay. not quite got it. But the, the lovely thing about Xenoblade is that uh, it's one of those games where it tells you the exact time that you have played uh on your save data um and currently i am 73 hours nine minutes and 35 seconds into xenoblade chronicles 2 which is fucking absurd uh i i'm not sure how that happened um i think it's probably because the switch's portability makes it so much easier to play this at literally any time uh but i remember playing xenoblade chronicles x and doing like 50 hours of that in the first week and thinking man i played this a lot um and i really feel like i haven't like i don't feel like i've played as much of this as i did of x and yet i've played significantly more there's just something about your brain that gets tricked when you're in handheld mode i think because time just kind of evaporates and i was telling you this earlier bali but i think the first time i've really been sold on the portability of the switch as a travel device was we're going down to london uh, and it's a seven hour journey it's it's very long and for the for this game the battery seems to last around three and a half hours 
And so I was playing through a story section for a solid three and a half hours. And I look up, I'm like, oh shit, we're there. Like time just absolutely disappears uh, when you're playing this thing in a way that the 3DS never kind of managed to. Um, I don't know if that's to do with the screen size or, or whatever, but I, I know you feel the same way about this, Barney. Like the, the Switch is just yeah, incredible. I, I had this frequently with Zelda earlier in the year and it's it was like, wow, I didn't feel like I got anything achieved and I just right. spent like three hours going through that. Maybe did like two shrines or something and it, it's a really exciting feeling when you're traveling because like traveling is not fun like no one wants to be traveling all the time and just having something that makes the time go by is yeah. really impressive i think it's the combination of like a really deep engaging large game with uh this handheld and with this form factor the, because it's, the pacing is slow it's right like a, a home console game you know exactly it's not it's not, it's not structured like a handheld game like maybe i don't know can't think of one maybe like a link between worlds is structured sure. in a more fast-paced way yeah, absolutely. But like the games like Xenoblade and Zelda are very slow games by nature. Like there yeah. are a lot of absorbing environments and just running around open fields and that kind of thing. Uh, so, so I guess it just naturally fits into. Did it. you but, see a meme online? It was saying like to, to come out on Switch in 2017. Your your like uh, the artwork, the thumbnail on the uh, the Switch console. It's got to include a boy looking over like a grassy plain. Yes, because I believe it's like the same for. It was like Cave this Story game. and Kamiko and Zelda right, and Xenoblade exactly. and all these games, yeah. Um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> kind of box art uh, of AAA video games fell into this stigma at one point of like being uh, a white dude with his back facing the box, you know, that was a thing for a long time. So I think these <laughs> there are these marketing trends that just happen generally uh, across mm. games. Um, but, you know, like, you know, Zelda was successful, so why not copy its uh, thumbnail or whatever? <laughs> right. uh, makes sense uh, a lot of the time. So Xenoblade 2 then is not a direct sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles, nor is it a direct sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles X. I, I think people should imagine this game as more of a Final Fantasy in where you're carrying over elements in terms of enemies and kind of world design and combat. And then one day they'll all link together. <laughs> uh, well, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I heard James Jones talking about this on RFN. Yeah. And then the finale is that it all links together. <laughs> you know what? I just saw a cutscene, which I don't know where it's going, but something is up. And if it ends up being that, I will not actually be surprised by the end of this game. Wow. Some stuff good, is, then. some stuff is happening. Um, but the idea is that, you know, you're in this world which is f filled with titans, and these titans are living creatures uh, that live in the, the cloud sea. Um, and you play as Rex, who is a salvager, and basically his job is he, like, dives under the, the ocean, which is made of clouds. Somehow you swim through these clouds. It's very weird. Like, they have this system in the game, which is, like, low tide and high tide. And if you rest it in, it will change. And depending on, like, if the clouds are high or if the clouds are low, you can swim out to certain areas, uh, which is cool and, and unique and novel uh, but it's weird i don't understand how the physics of that work you know like i and i guess it's a video game so it doesn't really matter but ah yeah physics physics <laughs> but but it's it's weird that like you're, you're going through this like cloud ocean um and so you know his job is to like go down and collect spare parts and like sell them off and, and make his money and his living that way um and so yeah this entire world is is similar to the original xenoblade in that it's different because in that game the titans were ostensibly dead and like had 
you know basically been standing still for thousands of years but people had cropped up and started living on them uh, in this case they are still alive and they're moving through the ocean and that's kind of uh the idea of it is that because it's an ocean everything is kind of constantly in flux and you know the continents go from place to place and so mm. it does have a bit of a disjointed feel to it right because one of my favorite things about the original xenoblade was being able to stand on bionis leg and look up to the mechonis in the in the background and just see it just looming over you and knowing that that thing was in the distance and that it was a possibility that you would eventually end up there because all these titans are like miles and miles away from each other in this cloud sea you never get that viewpoint you know you never get the the time where you're standing on the edge and seeing another titan off in the distance just because the game can't render that like it's not able to because there are just so many of these things and you're constantly going between them um you don't quite get that same impact and i think generally the impact of oh my god look at this world is slightly lessened as a result of the original xenoblade and x to some degree i think mainly the original xenoblade because especially in the opening few hours you're coming across places that are very familiar like there's a place called gormotti plains which is essentially gower plains again you know and mm. the first time you see gower plains is an astonishing sight but you know when you see this one it's like okay i've seen this before you know i've kind of been here i've done this um and so like the impact is somewhat lessened uh, in that sense i think it's the game is definitely strongest when it's introducing new places to you unlike anything you've seen before uh, and that definitely happens a few times throughout the game where i was just in awe of of the stuff that they had had created uh and just some really crazy looking amazing um architecture uh that's what xenoblade is best at like it's world building and showing you just these unique areas that uh you just don't see any place else uh in in kind of media or, or games or anything um so so when that happens i think that is incredibly cool uh and, and i've been enjoying that uh so the the story and kind of the characters it took me a while to get into them because this game is very very anime and by anime i mean like it leans into a lot of tropes it feels it feels generally a lot more light-hearted uh than the previous two entries uh and there's there's less of a sense of crushing danger because the characters are far more I, I i just don't believe in them as much and i like them like there are characters that i've really gotten into and i've enjoyed but i don't think rex is as strong a protagonist as shulk uh i don't feel like we're getting as interesting backstory and sometimes a revelation will come out of nowhere and then it's not really explained at all uh and i'm like well i i kind of want to know what's up with that and what's going on but it, the game just kind of brushes over it and then moves on i'm like wait a second uh we, we should maybe address what just happened there um and so like there are definitely moments where you'll see the you know the bead of sweat behind the character and like the eyes popping out and being like blank and the the various kind of things that you expect from kind of anime stuff and yet it's weirdly juxtaposed to like takahashi's themes of like you know religion and war and politics and all this like grander stuff that xenoblade has always all the xeno games have always been about uh so it is a slight strange juxtaposition um and then you also have the idea that all these accents are basically cherry-picked from around the uk uh there's actually uh like a, a continent which is pretty much australia as well because they're all uh, have aussie accents but you have the the starting area is welsh uh you have an area which are and this is very weird the imperialists in this game are scottish uh i so, heard about this yeah and which is not very common so that's a, a very weird thing that you come across um and one of my favorite characters in the game is this kind of female imperial officer called Mora 
Bragg, uh, who Great name. probably, yeah, and she has very good voice acting. And probably, it's so strange because it's, you, we usually get all these American voice actors, and I think the original Xenoblade was uh, a, a change of pace because it was this British cast, but it was mainly English, you know, like it was mainly british english uh like sometimes rp, RP. renounced yeah there, there was some like ryan was a little bit cockney like obviously you had the robots yeah. who are very cockney uh, yeah. but it was more kind of london-based accents whereas yeah. here you're going much more around the breadth of the country because rex is northern uh and nia who is like the second main character you have is like thick welsh and let me tell you when you see this little cat girl who should look like she speaks like a 10 year old come out with a 40 year old welsh woman accent it throws you for a loop i'll tell you that much. i guess it's... game of thrones has taken off since the first xenoblade and they're trying to get on the bandwagon <laughs> yeah maybe i mean you know it, it wouldn't uh, surprise me if that was the case but it is very strange to hear this very small cat girl come out with this middle-aged woman welsh accent um mm. and i really like it now it's it's grown on me a lot it's it took a while and it was very strange and i think partially because the lip syncing is pretty poor across the game it's just not well done at all and maybe that's because the difficulty of, of taking over from japanese but i do i have endeared myself to a lot of these characters and their various accents and it has a unique flavor to it that if i switch to the japanese i think I think I wouldn't be as engaged with the characters, honestly, because in Japanese, they just sound how you expect them to, right? Like the the, the traditional anime tropes with like the high pitch and um, all that stuff going on that you would come to expect. Yeah. But when they change it up and they give that flavor to it, it definitely makes the game a lot more engaging from the character standpoint. So I think I actually like the characters more, despite the fact that the voice acting is kind of cheesy and kind of bad in places. It definitely doesn't like hold up to the original uh, from my perspective, but there is a, there's a lovable quality about some of these uh, characters. And I, I've been enjoying going through the story because of that. And there are like there are places where it's slow there are places where it really opens up and there are some big mysteries dangling over you and you're like oh man this is going to go some places and i think i really figured out playing this game and i think i've known this for a while but my favorite kind of narratives are ones where something has happened in the past and you don't know what it is exactly and they slowly reveal it over time uh, yeah. And that was in the original Xenoblade. That's a big part of the Danganronpa series. That's a huge part of Ace Attorney. Like all these kind of media that is based on something is happening right now, but there's also a link to something that happened 500 years ago. In this case, it's 500 years. Um, and I love that because there's always like, there is a way in which you can peel back the layers and be like, oh, that connects to this and this connects to that. And I, I'm i I'm very much about that. It's why I really loved um, the TV ser- uh, series Heroes. It was one of the first big series I got into it, because it kind of has time travel stuff, but also because it's like, oh, mysteries that dangling about, you know, what happens in the future and what happens in the past. Um, so that stuff is set up pretty well. Some of it lands, a lot of it doesn't, uh, a lot of it. And I feel there's less kind of unique boss battles and kind of enemies because there's this central conflict between you and this kind of group of of renegade blades who are doing their own thing and you keep coming kind of coming back between that conflict and like there's only so many times you can like get defeated by them or beat them or whatever going back and forth before it kind of becomes a bit rote um and i i just don't think they do an amazing job of that but i I, generally speaking i have enjoyed this game enough to where uh, i'm liking going through and, and just being along for the ride of the story it's not 
got me by the balls like the original game did but i i think i think it's still telling a cool story and i hope the end of the game is bananas because that's my favorite part of xenoblade is when it just goes crazy um there's there's a lot and you're you're very near the end right yeah so i just i basically just beat the chapter nine boss um so Mm. speaking of bosses i think we should probably talk about the combat in this game um because is it bally friendly this is by far by far the best combat has ever been in a xenoblade game um as much as i love the other two in the series I never really got my head around how to play those games, you know? Like, I know that you went through the first game only playing as Shulk, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, And I think that's broadly because his arts are very understandable because they're directional, right? Like, it's pretty simple to know what's going on. Um, And every character in the original Xenoblade plays very differently. Like, trying to figure out what the hell Melia does is is like learning a new language, basically, because it's just so completely different from what you're doing usually. Um, And this game makes the characters themselves less important because everything is dependent on the blaze, right? And so the system is that Rex is a driver and he finds this girl, Pyra, who is his blade. uh, And basically the blades give energy to their drivers and that's how they use their arts. Um, And so the arts have been a thing forever in the Xenoblade games where they are basically uh, cooldown timer attacks that will recharge and then you'll be able to use them again but in the meantime you kind of auto attack on your own so like if you're just standing there you auto attack the difference here is that if you move you don't auto attack anymore so you have to be standing still in order to do so um and i thought that would be a problem but i think the reason they do that is because this game is more about rhythm than anything else and what i mean by that is every weapon that you use uh, which is tied to a specific blade has a kind of sequence of three where it'll be like one slice and then two slice and then three slice like one up one like to the side one below and if you time the use of your art just after you've used an auto attack a blue kind of sphere will pop up and it basically increases the amount of energy you build so it's to your benefit to basically time your arts with the rhythm of your auto attack. So in the original games, like I never really knew when was the best time to use my art. It was like, okay, I just use it now because it's recharged and it seems like I should do it because I'm behind the guy. Whereas now it feels much more purposeful where I am deliberately waiting until the third and final strike because that's when you get the most benefit for it. So I'm waiting for the third strike and then I press the art. And so I get a bonus for it. Uh, It fills up my meter faster and it starts like building my special. So the systems in this game are basically built like Lego blocks on top of one another where you have Mm. your arts which build to your specials. So you have like three levels of special and each character can basically build one special on top of another and they're all elementally based so say i use a fire special i need to wait for another character to build up to level two of a special that chains onto that so say a water special and then i need to wait for my third character to build up to their third special which chains on top of that and when you get all three of those in a row you basically get uh, a combo and that combo will do a ton of damage uh, it will inflict the enemy with a certain orb uh, and they will be at the mercy of uh, a different 
attack. You can't basically repeat them. It's kind of like in Smash Brothers, where if you keep using the same move again and again, the damage will reduce. So you can't yep. keep using the same combo again and again. So you have to like find different pathways to the end point. So instead of starting with water, maybe this time I start with rock. That sounds quite satisfying. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's definitely much more of a... And the, the, th- the thing that's good about this game is they teach you these mechanics very slowly. It is incredibly snail-paced in terms of introducing them so that you get accustomed to one system before you move on to the other and then you're eventually just building and building and getting knowledge of all these until you really have a mastery of it and i think the x never did a good job of explaining itself and i didn't really dig no. in enough to the menus of the original to understand i've so watched would i like this the best then in terms of fighting mechanics I, I think you probably would as long as you tried to understand it and i think that's the important thing is once you get a handle on it once you know what you're doing you can really do well in this combat system uh, to the point where, as I was saying, I just beat the chapter nine boss and I pulled off an insane fucking combo that did two million damage with a chain attack uh, that was just absolutely absurd. And it was because I built up like four different level three specials, all different elements. So I had like ice, wind, rock and fire or something all on him at once. So like basically once you've done a, a level three special, they have this orb that like spins around them. And in order to, once you do a chain attack, if you hit them during the chain attack with the opposite of that element, it breaks and it creates a burst, which that, so you know in chain attacks in the original Xen- Xenoblade, I never knew how it really worked, but sometimes it would go again. So, like, you would do the three attacks with your three characters, and sometimes the B prompt would pop up, like the quick time event B, yeah. where you press it and then you do another round with those characters. This time, it's much more uh, obvious because if you bur- if you burst, which is basically destroying one of the orbs with an attack that you use, then you'll get another round. So you're mm-hmm. trying to use the elements you have to counterattack them and burst them. And so if you do that, you get another round, and then you burst another one and get another round. So you can chain this for like four rounds of a chain attack uh which builds up to just an absurd amount of damage by the end uh and and that's what i've been doing is just basically creating a party that has a good variety of blades that i can use to just absolutely annihilate enemies uh and it's been so satisfying to do that has it felt less difficult as a result is it is it yeah there's parts of the other two games that are just incredibly tough yeah for sure i'd say particularly x yeah x has some horrible difficulty spikes and the original xenoblade also does as well and the the problem i'm having is i don't know whether it's because i was bad at those games combat that i had trouble or whether this game is just generally easier and it has a more understandable combat system Mm. um there's there's something about it that makes it much easier to stay alive because you have healing arts which um you know will help you if you have a healer on your team but also a lot of the blades you have have certain arts that will spawn potions and if you upgrade that art enough like you have a higher percentage chance of spawning like two or three potions when you use that art uh so i have a setup where i have a lot of potion spawning blades which means that i'm always able to keep my health at a good place and i'm never like down in the dumps and trying to keep people alive i do have to uh, obviously like people die and so i do have to revive them but it seems like my chain attack builds faster it seems like i'm generally just way more in control of situations and i really just really like the combat in this game it's just been incredibly fun to pull off um 
it, it does mean that battles take a very long time because in order to build to those chains you need to have a lot of hp on the enemy because otherwise you're never going to get there right like i think a lot of people were frustrated with this game when they saw it in previews because it looked like enemies had so much health and they do they have an absurd amount of health but the reason that's there is because these systems exist for you to basically break that health down as fast as possible once you get a mastery over it um and it's very satisfying to pull that stuff off i've just really enjoyed it um so so yeah and and in terms of like leveling up and grinding i've not really had to do that much uh and it's mainly because i've gone out of my way to do side quests i've been off the beaten path uh side quests generally are more engaging and they kind of fall into a couple of different categories there are blade side quests which are every single blade in the game so the way it works Bally, is it's kind of like loot boxes i know everyone's favorite thing um every time you want a new blade you basically have to uh, pull a random core and it will just randomly assign you a blade and so most of the blades are kind of generic ones they kind of look like robots like slash aliens where they don't they have like some blue aura around them and they don't have an uh, an identity to them whereas the rare blades are the ones that are, have like full character art and are like designed by a different artist and right. have unique stories to themselves and i got kind of lucky early on because i had a for my first two characters, I was able to get a full three blades for them, because uh, you can carry three at once, that were all rare blades. So I was, like, swimming in it. I was like, oh, great, I just have all these. I got pretty lucky. Um, and so they all have their own quest lines you can go down, which have, like, full cutscenes with voice acting, which I was super surprised at. But the blade side quests are just infuriating. Um, there are... There are kind of gates in this game, uh, similar to Metroid, in the sense that you need to be able to do certain field skills. Um, like, some blades will have uh, a leaping ability, where if you're, if you're climbing up a vine, it'll be like, you need to use the leap ability to get further up this vine, otherwise you can't go uh, anywhere higher. Mm. Um, and maybe you don't have a blade that has a leaping ability, so you have to get, randomly get one, or maybe your blade doesn't have a high enough level in it. Uh, or m- You can use multiple blades to kind of... Um, get past these challenges so if it's like it's a level seven if you have like three blades that have level one in that thing and like one that has level two one another one that has level two you can just have those five blades equipped at once and you'll pass the challenge it doesn't have to be just one blade that has the field skill but the problem is every time you get to one of these obstacles you have to go into the menu go through your blades look through the skills find which one has that equip it to your party member make sure you have enough party members that have the skill while also being able to have another skill potentially if it's a two skill challenge and then go back to it and press it and then afterwards you change all your blades back because clearly the ones you're using to overcome this challenge are not the ones you're using in combat so if you get into a battle straight after you're going to be screwed because you're using bad people who are just there to get you past this field Mm. skill thing so in terms of like tedium that's definitely the worst of it in this game um it it can get pretty bad and you do get bogged down in the menus because there are so many different things you can equip like your blades have their own affinity trees they have cores they have um weapon upgrades you can put on them your uh driver has to upgrade the arts of the blades they have accessories of their own they have their own affinity treat like it is just an absurd number of stuff to keep track of uh, and you have to keep track of this for like five different characters with three different blades each uh so like times it by a bajillion uh and it gets a little bit crazy um 
but i don't know i'm i'm kind of one of these people who likes the micromanaging in, in this game and maybe it's because there is kind of a color to the menus and, and it's fun to kind of go through and see the artwork is the font and... big oh it's massive dude like if you're talking about <laughs> a, a change from Xenoblade chronicles x the cutscene uh, dialogue is enormous on the screen everything is just really huge so when you're playing in handheld mode there is no problem whatsoever you are not get it, getting great. lost in it uh so that's wonderful that's a great addition and thank god they they took that on board um but yeah, it tended to be that the blade side quests were very tedious because, and there are some that I still haven't completed because it's like, go across every region and find this one challenge you have to overcome, which means like going to every place, going there, and by the time you get there, maybe you don't have the abilities yet to even do it, so you've just wasted your time. Um, and it's frustrating. There's this one quest that I'm in the middle of doing with uh, one of the blades who's like a polar bear girl, um, and she's a singer, and there's some really cool cutscenes with her. But in order to get her affinity up, you need to send her away on these merc missions, which is essentially like Metal Gear Solid Five, where you basically send away mercenaries to go do stuff, and they bring stuff back, like experience points and like items and things. But it's a real-time... It's like a mobile game timer, where it's like, come back in 10 minutes, and we'll have brought this stuff back. But it's fine in this game, because you're doing a million things at once, so it's kind of a thing that's going on in the background. But you have to send her away on these 10-minute missions constantly, like nine times each for like these three missions and then you get up the next level of the affinity tree and now the guy's like okay when she has five thousand fans uh then she'll go up the next level and i'm like oh my god she only has 300 and i've already sent her on like 50 fucking missions how many fucking missions i have to send her on it's just oh it gets absurd because that thing like recounts every 10 minutes so every 10 minutes i'm opening my menu and going into it and resetting her and sending (sighs) i i need to slow down because there is just there is a lot in this game a fucking lot um and i'm very conflicted because i've generally been really enjoying the game parts of it but there are just a lot of little things that are not quite uh living up to what i wanted the game to be um and so yeah i don't know it's it's a really difficult game to talk about because i've put so much time into it because it is incredibly moorish um and yeah you know there are problems there are there are things that i would like to change i think updates could maybe fix them make things more streamlined um but yeah generally like the writing's been decent in the side quests like the regular side quests have been fun to do and there seems to be less of them but they go on for longer each individual one um and sometimes i get surprised by side quests that suddenly have a cutscene in them and i'm like oh whoa that was kind of out of nowhere and it it's uh it's good to kind of take you off your feet with that stuff um but yeah i think i've pretty much covered most things about this game oh the one other thing i want to bring up is that heart to hearts are now voice acted and heart to hearts now don't require you to build affinity between party members which was a problem in the old games because i never built affinity because i was really bad at like using all the characters and it took forever to build it um so now heart to hearts are just required that you have either the blade or the party member required and you can just view it uh and having the voice acting just makes them so much better because they were kind of bland beforehand um and and they're elevated now um and the last thing the very last thing which we have to mention the soundtrack for this game is fantastic uh i'm a huge fan of it no surprises the original xenoblade is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time um i i think that generally the music is not as strong when it comes to individual tracks like i think of engage the enemy and i think of tragic decision i think of like all these fantastic individual songs from the first soundtrack Mm. whereas here there are there are less like individual songs that stand out but the songs 
over across the board i would say are generally stronger as a package like every single one is hummable every single one is memorable um and it's a it's a weird juxtaposition because whereas in the first game i thought the kind of more bombastic like cutscene based soundtrack songs were stronger in this game it's the slower piano songs that are, are much much more hitting me um mm. there is a place in particular in this game that is like this grand like religious chapel and the choral arrangement is like this this incredible choir of just singing this ast- astonishing song i'll probably put as as the break music uh but it is absolutely wondrous um and and really is nothing like i've heard in in other games uh before and is is an amazing part of that soundtrack um generally like any choral stuff that they put into this game is, is amazing uh and yeah i've i've really loved that stuff and you know, uh, the, the the Xenoblade things that make it feel like a Xenoblade thing are still here. The, the the world still feels fucking enormous. There's this one part where there's this giant staircase that I was looking up and I'm like, wow, yeah, just like taking my breath away. Absolutely, this staircase is stupidly long and of course it would be because this is a Xenoblade game, but my god, like, the as I like camera pan around Rex as he runs up the staircase, it looks incredible and I really wish the video recording feature was in this game, but alas uh didn't make it in time um so yeah uh xenoblade chronicles 2 is uh it's a lot of things there's a lot to it i think it has parts that are incredibly strong i think it has much weaker elements um i think if we talk about the three xenoblade games and the things they do best i think you can put them into the categories of world building world world building and storytelling is the strongest in the original game exploration is the strongest in x and combat and kind of gameplay systems are the best in xenoblade 2 so if takahashi and his team can go away and create a game that kind of combines all three of these into the perfect package i think it might be my favorite game ever made is what i'm trying to say remake of the first xenoblade with the mechanics from this xenoblade maybe but then the first xenoblade as much as the exploring is fun i don't think the exploring is as good as in xenoblade x um no i so, and I, I actually agree yeah um, even um, though i've not played as much x as you yeah because i mean the thing about x is that you had this really fast run like you just sprinted across the plains your jump was super high eventually you got the scales which just changed the elevation of everything um so it definitely it uh it impacted that game a, a huge amount when you're kind of just walking through that and wondering and admiring the world um yeah uh the okay lo- very last thing before we close out uh it's, it's very interesting because the way they've balanced this game is you remember in the other games where you would find landmarks and it would give you experience points for doing that so you'd get experience mm. for exploring this game still does that but it doesn't tell you that you're getting the experience points because there's now a bonus experience system whereby if you don't want to overlevel yourself which i don't know why but some people in jrpgs want to have a big challenge and that's what they like um if you don't want to overlevel yourself and yet you still want to do all the side quests and explore everywhere there is a system by when you go to an inn and you'll have bonus experience accumulated from doing side quests and exploring these different places and there have been points in the story where i gain like five levels from going to an inn i'm like oh shit that's kind of awesome like now i feel much more powerful and in a place where i'm able to take things on more um uh, and that's great like i think that offering the opportunity for some people who want to take that into account is there and if you don't want it you can ignore it um so it works out well 
Uh, and it gives a function for an in in a Xenoblade game because in these games you automatically recharge health outside of battle so ins were never really purposeful for anything uh so i guess they've kind of created a reason to have them now which is cool mm. um and I, I guess despite that like even though i've been gaining those extra levels i was still like a little bit under leveled for this boss and i still beat him pretty handily so you know i just think the game generally is less challenging but still incredibly satisfying to play um cool. so I'm sure we're going to talk about it lots next time as well both uh, with what we've been playing in yeah, game of the year we'll yeah see. i guess so well we'll see we're gonna have to discuss that discussion. for sure um <laughs> yeah I, I it's it's a bit of a mess of a game but also i fucking really like it a lot um so conflicted uh but xenoblade 2 you know if, if i say anything it's that this game took my life away for 70 hours within the space of 10 days and i think that's more praise that i can give it than anything else i even say on this podcast so <laughs> there you go kind of has me by the balls yeah all right uh so with that let's close out uh, the first segment and i'll join us after the break where we'll be going through some of your game of the year nominees uh, and winners uh, that you sent us via email don't go anywhere we'll be right back Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. It's time for the second segment and that's your emails. But as this is one our first uh, Game of the Year special podcast for 2017, it is of course our traditional Games of the Year that didn't actually come out this year that we've all been playing. Um, this has been, you know, a big tradition of the show, mainly because we've talked a lot through sort of the Wii U period and there's been long periods where top games just haven't been coming out uh so 2017 has actually been an exception i would argue on the show where it's just been completely jam-packed with brand new games that we've been playing this year so i played more new games this year than i did old games and that's usually not the case at all so it's absolutely uh crazy right and i'm i'm about the same um so we want we got to keep up traditions of the show so this is definitely going to be a segment that keeps reoccurring uh but i would argue that maybe other years have been stronger perhaps uh, yeah for sure for sure 
just because we went back and played some classics. But for this segment, we're going to be talking about your games of the year that you played this year that didn't come out this year. Uh, and we will mention ours in the next segment. Uh, and um, where could people send those to, Bally? Of course. MVZ, how could I forget? Please send. Uh, we, we now want your games of the year that, you, that did come out this year. Uh, so we want those for the next show. Uh, so, so just 2017 game of the year, essentially. Exactly. 2017 game of the year. Uh, all platforms. We want to hear everything because there's been some incredible games not just nintendo platforms coming out this year uh yeah the email address i should say is this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com and we've also opened up the thread on our discord server where you can join our twitter account at tnl podcast jump in the discord server it's pinned uh, it's not pinned it's actually just linked to the twitter account uh jump in there and you can post your top games of 2017 in there as well it would be greatly appreciated uh, and that's exactly what tim from our discord server did uh, so his top three games of the year that didn't actually come out this year number three shovel knight shovel of hope i was very hesitant to jump into shovel knight normally platforming isn't my favorite genre but i'm glad i did eventually i will get around to the dlc but i needed a break after beating the main campaign Num- number two crypt of the necrodancer First of all, this one on Games Done Quick and picked it up on sale. Absolutely adore this little game. And the music is incredible. I suck at it, though. Number one, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Despite its AAA open world flaws, minimal icon bomb, uh, to me, this game was just pure fun. Love how overpowered you become by the end of the game. Cool. That's a, that's a neat little list there. I uh, I haven't played Crypt of the Necrodancer. That's one that a lot of people bring up. And it's kind of like a rhythm like dungeon crawling game uh it's i've seen it played right. and it seems very weird and, and hard for me to get into but uh, I'll, I'll maybe give it a go at some point um but yeah i i enjoyed middle earth shadow of mordor i don't know i feel like that game was pretty overrated <laughs> after i played it uh but i think it's fun i think it's okay that was 2014 um, right yeah, that was the bad year. That was the year when the everyone. Well, I mean, it was a no... it was a good year for Nintendo. There was Bayonetta two and Smash Brothers and Mario Kart. Like that was a mm. great Nintendo year. Uh, but for everyone else, it was kind of a bummer. Um, so and yeah. the sequel came out this year. And it's hardly been it talked did. about. No, because it's like uh, it's just drowning in microtransactions and it's like uh, overly long God. and. Yeah, Even if that game had been stellar, I feel like it wouldn't have been talked about much just because this year no. has been so incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hard to stand out. MBZ, have you got the next one? Yeah, so the next one is uh, from friend of the show, Devin, from Emblemcast, uh, who posts, uh, so in no particular order, I'll list my five favorite non-2017 games I played this year. Number five, Overwatch, probably the best shooter of the decade. Uh, Man, I've missed competitive team-based shooters, and Overwatch hits that high on teamwork and coordination. Uh, Number four, Stardew Valley. There's nothing that brightens my day more than putting an hour into my little farm at the end of a long day. Number three, Shovel Knight. What took me so long? The best NES game that was never released on the NES. Number two, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Do I even need to explain? No, I don't. Uh, Number one, Bloodborne. This has risen into my top ten or five of all time. Masterful game design and world. Uh, And then honourable mention, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Only put about four hours into this game, but it's blown me away at every turn. Certainly would make it onto the list if I had played more of it. CD CD Projekt Red deserves an award for this game. Oh, wait. 
uh, yeah, I believe The Witcher 3 won a absurd number of Game of the Year awards the year it came out. Um, it wasn't quite mine, uh, unfortunately. It would have been if Ori and the Blind Forest didn't exist, uh, but I certainly can agree with him because uh, he, he was just telling me he recently got a new PC and so he'd been playing Witcher on that new PC, which is uh, it's a hell of a game to break in a new PC, I'll tell you when, that much. When I saw Witcher 3 running on your PC and he said, I was like... <laughs> video games like, yeah I, just, I was like how can we like uh, go by anything else it just looks so great and that was like a good three two three years ago i th- think i first it was looked. 2015 so it was two yeah. years ago and i think it's yeah. probably still the best looking game you've ever seen in your yeah, life God, so. that was just wow. Uh, wow so yeah some 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 very good picks here um see the thing with bloodborne and the souls game bally is like i think from software are going to be bringing souls games to switch probably so maybe that's one. where maybe one. that's where we do it i don't know I hear bloodborne um, is like the best though like it's the, yeah i think they smoothed out a lot of things from the mm. formula to my knowledge and yeah i mean it's obviously very dark and not exactly a world i would enjoy being in for no long me neither that's why i generally steer away from those i games, mean we but... could maybe like co-op it at some point sure <laughs> just like behind the surface exactly exactly because yeah, there are some man. really really twisted like creatures in that game from what I've yeah 100 percent, absolutely um, um so our next uh post is from easy money who's also from our discord server he's just got a list so here we go it's number five inside i won't say much because i don't want to spoil but the praise mbz give this game is well deserved number four vanquish another game developed by platinum and it's a weird merge of western and japanese design number three uh, subsurface circular a strange game with an interesting story and engaging and unique puzzles number two metal gear solid rising revengeance possibly platinum's best game second only to bayonetta 2 Number one, Dark Souls. I was always hesitant to play this game because of the reputation it has for being brutally difficult. I found that it's way easier than people lead you to believe. It also has the the best level design I've ever seen in a video game. Well, now we have two uh, lists with uh, Souls games right. in number one, Bally. <laughs> Just yeah. reinforcing the point. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe oh, we should boy. try it. And uh, yeah, Inside coming to Switch next year. Yeah, it's I, coming to Switch. I, oh my god, I'm, I'm so excited so, for you to play that game. I'm Holy very shit. keen to play that game. I'm going to sit down and I'm not going to move an inch and I'm just going to beat it. Like, I yeah. think it. And I, I actually, so this is the advantage of my stupid memory. I like looked up the story for this game yonks ago and I, I wasn't really paying attention to much to what I was reading. Yeah. Um, so it's not actually spoiled for me. And I mean that genuinely. I'm not like yeah. concealing like I've heard something anyway bali has a weird memory i'm <laughs> i'm excited to read that it's uh, the one I wanna, me at the time the, the one i want to pick up here is subsurface circular because that's actually a game that was kind of stealth released this year and it's by mike bithel who made thomas was alone oh, um, right. uh, and yeah it's on steam and I, I think it's relatively cheap i was thinking about maybe grabbing it in a steam sale at some point uh, so yeah good cool to see it represented on this list nice uh so next up we have chaotics uh who says he's got a list of three games here uh i'm I'm not sure if they're ordered or not but uh let's just go through them uh shovel knight uh still haven't played the dlc for this game but i love a game with this kind of style and a good platformer speaking of which vvvvvv i bought an entire humble bundle because of this game a couple of other things worth purchasing including stardew valley which i haven't played yet either and could be easily sucked in uh this game was worth collecting all the secret items and Super Meat Boy. I played this in a team uh, with work colleagues and was the key player here. We never finished the final boss. It was still fun. Uh, that's a trio of excellent platforms. It's a trio of games we've talked about very recently. <laughs> um, all three our... of them, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very three true. incredible platformers. Um, 
so yeah, I think uh, Shovel Knight just getting a lot of representation on this list. I'm really surprised that a lot of our listeners only just got round to it this year. Right. Maybe it's the Switch factor, Bally. Uh, Probably, that's why yeah. People have jumping in. Plus, yeah. like Spectre of Torment came out this year. We forget, like, it, yeah, I think it you're was right. Just yeah, it was just after the Switch launch because I remember there being like that. That is uh, that is eligible for our top five next week. Absolutely, so, uh, potential. It is. Um, so our next email is always actually from our Discord server from Capsule J, who's from Georgia in the USA. Dear Bally and MBZ, this year I played through 30 games and they were split pretty much perfectly evenly between games released in 2017 and prior prior years. Here is my top 10 list of games I played this year that didn't come out this year. Number 10, Hotline Miami. Number 9, Broken Age. Number 8, Metal Gear Solid 3. Number 7, uh, Mercenary Saga 2. Number 6, Dishonored 1 and 2. Number 5, Super Mario 3D World. Number 4, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Number 3, <laughs> Season 1. Number 2, Witcher 3. And number 1, Chrono Trigger. Highlights from the list include the magical experience of playing through Chrono Trigger for the first time, finishing the entire campaign of 3D World in co-op mode with my wife, and squinting at my tiny uh, OG 3DS screen trying to see what the heck was going on in Metal Gear Solid 3. Thanks for another great year and looking forward to hearing y'all's lists. Thanks, Capital J. That's a, that's a great list. That is a, of, such uh, a list. Varied games. A uh, bit of cheating with Dishonored 1 and 2 in the same spot, <laughs> but I'll, 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 I'll let you get away <laughs> with it, uh, to be fair. Um, uh, yeah, man, Chrono Trigger, Bally, you got to get to it at some point. I, I was devastated it never came to snes classic but I, yeah I, there will be a way i feel like um, oh Bally, there might be a way of i don't know getting every game on your snes classic mm, maybe yeah, it just i seems, mean hmm, i don't know you say that i would rather <laughs> pay i'd rather pay a very unreasonable price to play that game on my switch like it's okay point. all right like, i well, would probably pay happen. a lot of money for that game yeah, I uh, I was seeing Capital J actually talk about in the Discord about choosing between Witcher 3 and Chrono Trigger for his number one. Uh, that's a choice I'm glad I didn't have to make because uh, I, I think that I played Witcher 3 in the year it came out at the same time I played Chrono Trigger. Mm. So they were both on two separate lists, so I didn't have to decide. <laughs> yeah, uh, so and DKC, was... Tropical Freeze, like, glad you're coming to the party. It's, it's where uh, it's well, at. Well, there you go. That's yeah, the it's, good, hot it's stuff. a good party. What a Absolutely. game. What a game. All right, our next one is from Chris B, uh, who sent via email and says, Hey, NBZ and Bally, hope I'm not too late to submit my games I played this year that didn't come out this year. And then he gave us the acronym for it, which is G-I-P-T-Y-T-D-C-O-T-Y, which is just, <laughs> when you look at it written out, is absurd. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, so uh, he says, firstly, my game of the year is, well, we'll maybe talk about that last time uh, or next time, because uh, that will be uh, part of uh, the... 2017 stuff um but he says that uh he uh, hasn't bought a switch yet so many of these things are played on other platforms in no particular order uh tembo the badass elephant uh, you've both stated your love for tropical freeze uh, and that remains one of my favorite games of all time so it always makes me smile when bali finds a way of slotting it into conversation <laughs> just like he did now um tembo feels incredibly similar in terms of gameplay and charm it gets incredibly difficult but it's always fair so i think nbz in particular would get a lot out of it that's an interesting one because that's a game freak game tembo the badass yes elephant. Yes, um, I wondered where I'd heard about it before. Yeah, it only came out on PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, I wonder if they bring it to Switch at some point in the future. Uh, mm. Could be a potential. Uh, next up is Life is Strange. Uh, oh my god, this game. Such an emotional roller coaster, but I still found myself thinking about it even after beating it. I don't want to spoil the storyline for anyone, but it absolutely blew me away in terms of its narrative, and no decision ever felt like the right slash wrong one. Please play this. 
um i actually watched a playthrough of life is strange so i kind of feel bad for doing that um but you know i don't know i i understand why people love that game so much it's it's very cool uh batman arkham knight i wasn't sold on it at first but once the tank puzzle stopped being so prevalent the gameplay and sheer wealth of content kept me happy for a long time tales from the borderlands i wasn't a fan of episode five but the other four were brilliant definitely still worth playing i'm hoping to check out the handsome collection as a result of playing this ori in the blind forest partly played on nbz recommendation uh, it did not disappoint i have nothing to add that he hasn't already said but my poor feels are in absolute tatters uh, <laughs> fire emblem fates birthright i have the other parts too but couldn't bring myself to come back so soon as birthright so perfectly told the story i wanted to play uh, rhythm paradise megamix thought this game would be a throwaway minigame collection but it was so much more than that it's such a joy to play and is worth digging out a 3ds one last time just to experience it Conquer's Bad Fur Day. The controls aren't great, fall damage is way too harsh, and it has the usual N64 camera issues. With that said, I laughed out loud while playing this game. The story is very aware of how ridiculous it is. The references are great for people who have a handle on 90s pop culture, and the soundtrack is awesome. It resonated with me more than I ever expected, particularly the dialogue during the final scene. I've also caught myself humming the famous song from the Sloprano chapter on more than one occasion since beating it biggest gaming disappointments of the year he has as well uh which are i I won't read through all these but i'll just name them uh halo 5 guardians paper mario the thousand year door and blast core uh he says if you read this whole thing thank you i did go on a bit looking forward to hearing your (laughs) g-i-p-t-y-t-d-c-o-t-y until then lads stay awesome uh well thank you chris for that incredibly long uh email uh detailing your your favorite games nice shout out rhythm paradise megamix uh yeah i played this when it came out uh from last year i want to say and yeah i great game like that didn't get talked about a ton when it came out and it because i guess it is a remix of like lots of existing games uh but it's a, such a great package on 3ds uh i really honestly enjoyed it more than almost all the games in the warrior series and it's that similar style like i can't recommend that game enough and it like it looks incredible on 3ds like it's not difficult to go back to in terms of like style and look because i sometimes feel a bit weird going back to 3ds from switch and i think a game like rhythm paradise like works really well on that system yeah totally i uh i'd like to get to it eventually i think there was actually a my nintendo discount on it recently that i was gonna get on mm. but then i was like there's a lot of other things there's uh, a lot of stuff to do <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> difficult um uh, yeah the other one i want to shout out is tales from the borderlands which i think i can confidently now say is my favorite telltale game um i really love the first season of the walking dead but Tales from the Borderlands is, it's a funny game, and that is so incredibly hard to do. You know, like, it's so difficult to do comedy in a video game, uh, and it's just such a good time. Any I absolutely chance loved. that will come to Switch? I mean, you know, there are Telltale games on Switch right now. There's Batman, there's Minecraft. Do we know how they run? I'm very intrigued by this. No, I, I do want I, to um, try one. Yeah, I need to look up some reviews of those. I'm going to check out some reviews of Batman and definitely catch it in a sale or something, because um, yeah. I'm keen to, keen to try that. That's a good kind of co-op experience to play with the decisions and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And our final list, uh, which is emailed in from a service, uh, who of course is from the internet, um, esteemed hosts MBZ and Bally. I played a ton of games in 2017, a lot of which didn't come out this year. I'm going to limit this list to five games I played this year that came out on Nintendo platforms. 
Uh, number five, Super Mario Bros. Deluxe. As someone with no nostalgia for anything before the GBA, I found Mario 3, and to a lesser extent, uh, World, to be hugely overrated, well said. I wasn't yep. expecting <laughs> much from the original platformer, but I found it uh, to be highly enjoyable, easily the best of the bunch, with really tight level design. Also, the deluxe version lets you start with the level you were uh, on when you run out of lives. Number four, Little Inferno. The Tomorrow Corporation makes just the kind of games that I like. Quirky, witty, and stylized games, always with a new mechanic that is truly nothing like anything we've seen before or since. While I prefer and would recommend World of Goo and especially Human Resource Machine over Little Inferno, it is still a really creative and enjoyable to game to play. Number three, WarriorWare Twisted. I finally imported a copy of this. I love the WarriorWare games and this is another really good one. Gyro worked a lot better than I expected and was really surprised by the uh, ahead of its time tactile feedback when rotating. A, ve- a very interesting game to go back to in the year of the Joy-Con. Number two, Tokyo Mirage Sessions hashtag FE. Sharp I'm... FE. Sharp FE. <laughs> Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Sharp FE. There we I'm go. I'm very conflicted on this game. The story, side quests, and characters are all woefully uninteresting. The Agreed. game overstays its welcome by about 10 hours. Agreed. There are so many little things I find annoying about it, such as having to go back to Tiki to access the weapon system. However, this game has a killer soundtrack, a colorful aesthetic, and perhaps my favorite battle system in an RPG ever. This is a game I could recommend everyone to play, but not necessarily finish. Number one, Mother 3 fan translation. It's a bit darker than Earthbound and maintains a lot of what makes Earthbound so great. The story is arguably better, but the whole experience just felt less streamlined. Also, it moves away from the urban fantasy setting uh, towards straight-up fantasy, which I think loses a lot of what was special about Earthbound. That being said, still an absolutely fantastic game and the fan translation is excellent. Thank you for reading my long email. As always, I'll hopefully write in again next time for 2017 Game of the Year, Acerbus. Well, uh, yeah, a very good list there, uh, including, you know, Acerbus is someone who wrote in uh, during our Earthbound um, Backlog Club. Uh, and so it's cool that he's gone back and played Mother 3. I think we're still holding out hope to play it officially eventually. I don't know how long that'll be. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, I think uh, I can echo his thoughts on Tokyo Mirage Sessions, although I don't agree about it being a good battle system. I think it's a fine battle system. Um, but yeah, that soundtrack is so good. I really like it because uh, I gave you a couple of uh, songs from that soundtrack yeah. to play in your yeah. Japan episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, they are they are some jams, some hot jams. I, I will think say. Warrior Wear Twisted might be my favorite Warrior Wear. Like that is a, an incredibly interesting and unusual game, and definitely it's also a game that we didn't have to import because I think we both bought it while we were in America. Yes, so. we both went there because we we smuggled our Mercury back into the EU. So yeah, basically <laughs> um, <laughs> illegal. And also are. a service massive praise on your shout outs that uh, Mario Three and to a lesser extent World are slightly overrated. So. Thanks for that. He, and yeah, he says they're I've, hugely overrated, which yeah, you know, I think overrated. I also agree with. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> and I've played Super Mario Bros. Deluxe, and it's definitely sm- it's like a smaller, more streamlined, almost more enjoyable game than those other two. Like, it's just very quick wow. and snappy. And yeah. uh, I haven't played Mario Bros. 3, so I still need to get to that. So don't judge me on that. But yeah, it's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice little game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That was, that was quite the number of games to talk about. Uh, a lot of different unusual picks, as usual, which we love. Uh, and some yeah, really absolutely. big heavy hitters uh, that we talked about a lot before. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for sending those in. Uh, and as I said at the top of the segment, we 
still need more emails. We need them for your games of the year that came out in 2017, which we're going to be talking about next time on the show. So please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. And of course, you can also post uh, your picks, your shout outs to our Discord server. Uh, So follow us on Twitter. That's at TNL podcast. And then hit the link. You'll be in the Discord server and you can post there and we'll bring those all together and talk about them next time on the show. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's all we've got time for our second segment. But join us in the third segment where we will be talking about our own games of the year that we played this year that didn't actually come out this year. Alright everyone, welcome back to the final part of today's show, which is of course our countdown of our games of the year that didn't actually come out this year for 2017. Um, As we said before, it's been a weird year in terms of Nintendo kicking fucking ass, and so a lot of good video games came out this year, so we spent most of our time playing those, uh, which means maybe uh, the the list on this end will be a little weaker. Um, But uh, hey... That's how it goes sometimes. Uh, I still think my list of 10 is a list of 10 solid games. Uh, yeah. So, so I'm happy definitely. with it. Um, Mine's good. I definitely played a lot of these before the Switch came out as well. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of months uh, we had there yeah, uh, of so buffer time. Squeezing a few. Absolutely. Shall I start with my number 10, MBZ? Yeah, let's start with your number 10, Bally. My number 10 is F-Zero on the Super Nintendo. Um, nice. Now, I actually played this on the Wii U earlier this year. Right, uh, yeah. Well before the SNES Classic came out. And it's a really solid racing game. Uh, and I must admit, there was a lot of nostalgia in it in the sense that the music is just really, really great. Like We've heard so many remix songs of F-Zero tunes over the years, especially in like smash brothers and our mario kart and this that and the other and to actually play the original game where it all stemmed from 
was a very very satisfying experience i must say that this i'm not very good at this game in comparison to other f-zero games i feel like i'm better at so there's a lot of like work for me to get better at this game uh, i really struggled on the the harder modes uh i struggle and, on the easy modes mate so uh, you know. well i, I, I breezed I breeze through them but like this is <laughs> oh wow some savage. of the tracks are <laughs> some of the tracks are really unforgiving uh and yeah here's to 2018 where hopefully f-zero might come around this time around, who knows <laughs> just, just uh, living on a press on absolutely we'll see um but yeah it's definitely worth going back to weird reverse nostalgia with the music i guess because you've known exactly. it in like other forms and now you're going back to the original <laughs> it's cool yeah. when that happens um, nbz what was your number 10 my number 10 is uh, a similar case. Uh, it is Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. Um, so I did not expect, uh, having gone into every Star Fox game I've ever played, to be putting this anywhere near a top 10 list of any kind in my life. <laughs> you were not um, hot on, the, on Star Fox 64. And, no. Yeah. I, I was like kind of very, very bad at that game. And so it made it a frustrating exercise uh, and I really didn't enjoy it. And I'm not great at Star Fox on Super Nintendo either, but I do have save states on the SNES Classic, which helps. Um, and it's just an astonishing achievement of a game. I think I'm more blown away by the fact that it works and is actually doing this thing, and it did it all the way back then. Um, it's just a technical marvel, and the fact that the frame rate is like 10 is weird, uh, but mm. it's weirdly... It holds up, it does. It's it strange really that it actually works because I usually can't stand anything that's like a low frame rate, but because it looks old and it's supposed to like run that way because mm. it is that old, there's this weird forgiveness I have in my heart for it. I'm like, it, it does stuff like the hitboxes on the bosses and stuff are incredibly loud and clear as to where you're meant to hit at what point. Right. And yeah. in a game that is running, as you said, at 10 frames per second, yeah. and some bits look a little bit clunky, actually flashing yellow and red squares and shapes appearing on bosses is just a really satisfying thing to do to know where to shoot and like the sound design on what happens when you shoot those areas is very satisfying as well so it's very clear when you're actually doing damage which is so important on a game where there's a lot going on on the screen yeah there's so much flying at you as well and sometimes it's difficult to know whether it's your teammate or whether it's an enemy and that happened to me a few times where i accidentally hit a teammate thinking they were an enemy um it, it gets a little bit tough but i think the biggest thing about this game is it's the most a star fox game i've played has felt like star wars um in the sense that somehow despite being this very limited technology and hardware it produces scale you know it produces the sense of a intergalactic battle going on and you're like there's one level in particular near the end where you're flying through like cargo ships and blowing up the center of them and flying out the back and uh you know taking down enemy fighters as you get to the boss and it feels like you're really going through this battlefield that has taken place and and yet you know it's partially mostly in your imagination because it's just a bunch of polygons on the screen yeah. that, that produce this effect it's it's um it's crazy that it works and i i was thrilled to like be able to jump into this and actually enjoy it um and again there is that weird anti like reverse nostalgia with the music and with the sound design and the the weird voice acting popping in here and there it's 
uh it's pretty crazy uh and uh i'm glad i played it uh, because i didn't i really didn't expect anything from it whatsoever i expected to just pick it up to check it out to unlock actually it was just to unlock star fox 2 on the super nintendo classic right um and i ended up just playing through the whole thing uh obviously you know there are other paths which are much more difficult which i haven't gone back through yet uh but i would like to in the future because uh, i enjoyed it a lot yeah yeah i'm the same i need to go back to those other paths um yeah my number nine is swords and soldiers 2 Oh, wow, nice. Uh, I played this. This is another one of those Nintendo Humble Bundle games from mm-hmm. 20... Was that from 2015? I don't know. I the years now. have disappeared and yeah, I, my I eyes have bled. I've gotten a lot out of that Humble Bundle. I haven't had them out. Some mileage for sure, show. yeah. Yeah, so this is a, a sort of mobile-style uh, RTS game, I guess. It's sort of 2D scrolling RTS game where your units go from the left of the screen to the right of the screen... Uh, and you can control like your economy, the money coming in, traditional sort of tower defense and that style. Uh, it just works really well. It's it's got some incredibly hilarious cutscenes and accents and stereotypes. Uh, but I mean, they are making fun of Scottish people massively. But I just kind of roll with it, and it's actually very funny. Uh, and uh, at least we now have Xenoblade Two, where the Scottish people are like treated with a lot of respect a lot of respect, so. <laughs> exactly yeah so it's it's a very fun quirky game and as someone like there's not a ton of tower defense games on most home consoles it's a, it's a very mobile style game in that sense so i don't generally play many mobile games at all so it was nice to try out something in that style and it was fresh and done cool. well i thought apart from going out of your comfort zone hard. a bit as well i think exactly you know, definitely so. out of my comfort zone my number nine is super castlevania 4 uh the snes classic is going to get a lot of representation here i'll let you know up front um uh this game is a weird one because it's essentially in the style of the original castlevania games on uh, nes but then you have the differences in the whip where you can whip diagonally now and you can also like flail it around like a rope and it just like kind of slows things down and, and it does a lot of weird stuff um I it's one of those games where I'm not sure I really like the look of it. It's um some Super Nintendo games hold up incredibly well and Super Castlevania 4 has more kind of gritty grimy look to it which you know somewhat expected because it's a Castlevania game but um it still plays really well and I enjoyed going through those levels. They are pretty long like I, I feel like they overstay their welcome a little bit in terms of um there are multiple sections per area when you're going through and if you end up dying then you have to repeat the entire thing from the beginning beginning again um but it's not as difficult so i think it kind of it gets away with it because especially in those opening levels you're not going to have to repeat them um it's just maybe later on where it gets a little harder and it's like oh god i have to go right back to the start there and and begin my adventure again but um you know it uh has the patented Castlevania, um, you know, mechanics uh, and game play that I have always enjoyed, and uh, it's uh, it's a good ride, and I think it's a good way to jump into the series. So if you want to play it, Bali, uh, go ahead yeah, and another give one a shot. I need to get on. I actually yeah. own that one, so might as well do it. My number eight is Retro City Rampage DX. Uh, I played this on 3DS, but it's actually on Switch now. I noticed it came out um, a few months ago, I think. Uh, it's essentially GTA top-down uh, with a very arcade uh pixelated classic look to it. Uh, 
and I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a really zany story that, with a lot of video game references. It's quite a fast-paced story. I don't think... The game doesn't re- it does to a degree encourage you to go out and explore, but it's not actually a massively enjoyable world to explore too much because you're just looking at pixelated buildings and roads and things. It's not like a big 3D open world sort of style game. It's more it's very much 2D. Uh, so I was I played I mainlined it quite thoroughly, and it's a very very interesting like silly story that you end up doing so many different things in it it's not just driving about there's like some platforming and shooting and run and gun and other stuff like that and it's actually a lot of different games in one it feels like actually so i think it's if i mean there's so much on switch this year that i don't think it's near the top of the list of stuff you should play but if you have played through all the great stuff then this is definitely something there could be a fun sort of five six hour campaign if you just fancy a bit of something interesting on the go yeah, I think it's another thing that's outside your comfort zone as well. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's cool to jump in and try that. Um, yeah, very reference-filled, very very playful, uh, I think. Um, my number eight is another Castlevania game, but this time in the Metroid vein uh, with Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. Uh, so this is the third GBA game, uh, and I played two this year. I played Dawn of Sorrow and Aria of Sorrow. I think Aria of Sorrow pipped it uh, dawn to the post because dawn of sorrow has the really annoying touchscreen stuff that was part of the ds launch era where you're having to finish off bosses by drawing a symbol on them and that was just really stupid um and kind of brought it down in my estimation despite the fact that i actually think the setting for dawn of sorrow is more unique because it's kind of set in the future and they're like cars and stuff and it's a bit weird uh, mm. but aria of sorrow is just a very solid game it's uh Probably the culmination of the three uh, Castlevania games on GBA with Circle of the Moon having like a weird difficulty curve and also having to double tap to run and being just a bit janky Um, and Harmony of Dissonance just being way too easy and kind of a clone of Symphony of the Night in some ways. Aria of Sorrow stands out on its own. It's got great level design. It is just fun to play. Uh, It has a soul system where you collect different enemies' uh, abilities as you go along and you can use those to your advantage. Uh, It has like a mana bar which makes things more streamlined in terms of using your abilities and sub-abilities um, and is uh, just a, a probably the best Castlevania game after Symphony of the Night if you're looking for that Metroid-style adventure. Um, and I man, I really want GBA games on the Switch uh, at the moment because one of my favorite things about the Wii U was playing GBA games on that big screen uh, and the Switch mm. is just so perfect for it, and I think they yeah. would look amazing uh, on that too. I'm sure we'll um, we'll definitely know the answer to your question at the end of 2018, hopefully. So <laughs> you say that now, but oh well, my God, Bali. I think we'll be closer to the reality of what it might be. Sure, least. yeah, surely we'll, there's got to be something. But yeah, absolutely, we'll be getting there. My number seven is Thomas Was Alone on the Wii nice. U. Nice, uh, a very unusual uh, puzzle platformer. Uh, I would describe it as with a very strange narrative that gives random blocks character Mm. Uh, and and, and not just character like you feel fairly attached to like a lot of them and they all have very unique attributes and you use them differently to get through stages and they split up and rejoin each other and there's other interesting twists in the plot and it's a very well told story even if I don't think the story ends in any particular particular particularly interesting way i think it's just kind of a very it's a story that does a lot of character development without actually being a good story in and of itself perhaps right uh, 
but that said it's still a very solid 2d platformer regardless of any plot things and it's the it's but it's definitely the characters that make it uh unique uh and i don't think this game would stand out at all if it didn't have that stuff you know like the narrative blanket over is why people talk about this yeah. game it's a good puzzle game but like i just in in a world where you're there are like five thousand games released on steam this year alone it's right. it's hard for something like that to stand out on its aesthetic and in a, its yeah. art style so so definitely one checking out if you're really into the the puzzle platformer genre or you just want a really unusual take on that genre because yeah uh, it's cool. It's cool. I had a good time. It was weird. Made by one man, Mike Bithell, uh, who we mentioned in the previous segment uh, when uh, talking about Subsurface Circular, his new game. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, my number seven is No More Heroes 2 Desperate Struggle, uh, which is a game I played this year because of the announcement of No More Heroes 3, which I, up until this moment, my brain had forgotten that had happened, and that's why I played it. But now I'm like, oh shit, No More Heroes, uh, well, I guess it's not No More Heroes 3 technically, but Travis Strikes Again is coming to Switch maybe next year. Uh, so not, not only do we have like Bayonetta, but we also have No More Heroes. That's a lot of action come into the system, which is cool. Uh, this game is here not because I necessarily think it plays that well, but because it's just fucking bonkers crazy. Uh, and it just surprised me constantly throughout its like however many bosses you go through it subverts things all the time there are times where you're playing as a completely different character there are these weird hazy dream sequences there's like differing mechanics constantly that you don't expect like a giant robot fight in the middle of a town like there's just so much weirdness and um like suda 51 oozes out of this game in a way that uh i don't think he has done in some of his more recent efforts and i'm really looking forward to him coming back and retaking the series helm and doing something strange on switch because this is a series that stands out to me not because i enjoy playing them but because the just absolute bizarreness uh strikes me in a way that not much else does uh and that's different for me because i usually am so mechanics focused and i kind of do like the fighting like i enjoy the kind of lightsaber combat and the kind of dodging out the way and and all that stuff and i actually played this on a normal controller i guess it's the wii pro controller right the wii classic controller pro god these names tell you it just gets to me that one um the Wii Class Controller Pro, as opposed to the uh, Nunchuck and Wii Remote, because uh, just less finicky and, and it worked. Um, but uh, I'm very interested to see him doing stuff on Switch, and I know that he's going to use the Joy-Cons for motion again, because that's uh, that's what those games were built on. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm very curious, and I think Noma Heroes 2, weirdly... Uh, just came out of nowhere and was like, "Oh my god, this thing, this thing has a lot of problems because you know, as a lot of Japanese developers, there's a lot of misogyny and bad stuff about women in their mm. games, a cultural thing for sure. But I don't know, it's hard to you know give excuses in this day and age. Uh, but you know, that's that's Japan for you. Uh, but there is a lot of good stuff in there, uh, and I really did enjoy my time with No More Heroes too. My n- number seven, my number six is a game that you lent to me, MBZ. Uh, Rain- Rainbow. Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. I thought you were about to say Rainbow Six Siege and be like, Rainbow what the fuck, I just picked it up and thought, <laughs> why not? Let's yeah. do it. Um, <laughs> surprise. Uh, yeah, this is obviously, I guess, the spiritual sequel or the sequel to Canvas Curse. And it is indeed. It's, it's not as good as Canvas Curse. It's a lot no. shorter. It's mm-hmm. considerably easier, perhaps. Or maybe I'm just a better gamer. I don't know. Um, but... God, this game looks good, and it's so enjoyable for as long as it does last. Um, I could certainly have done with a little bit more uh, come the end of this game, but 
I don't know. There is something still quite appealing about like a little short game you can just play and have a really good time, and it's so consistently good all the way through. Um, yeah, there's a great it, charm to this game. Like, really just, it's not charm. just the look, but the the you know the music of Kirby has always been so great and charming and cheerful. Um, right, it's, and it's there's cool. some really interestingly designed bosses, um, and the final boss is very interesting. I thought that was really a, a unique take on an idea. Essentially, uh, I think. I don't know if they're ever going to return to the idea of the whole stylus create a create a line. Yeah, I mean, with the switch not having a stylus or like the touchscreen being de-emphasized generally, it uh, yeah. seems like we may not get a, another one of these. And I feel like if they do work a way around it, they'll focus a lot more on a game like perhaps Mario Maker than they will on something like Kirby. And then once you go down that path you're going back to the D- ds and sort of wii u gamepads i'm not sure how keen nintendo will be to ever go back to that sort of thing um, yeah but it's for what it was it's a, it's a great game it's a great platformer uh and i had a great time it's i think those this and kirby canvas curse are my two favorite kirby games uh i've the, the the handful of other 2d games i've played like the n64 game and uh what's the one on gb i can't remember the name of it um, the um the oh, i can't remember either there are too anyway, many weird kirby name yeah, games that, that was an ambassador a metroidvania game though. and i didn't really enjoy that as much at all uh so these two just stand up the heads head and shoulders above the rest uh and yeah i mean we've got more kirby coming next year it's always kirby like he just it's so consistently got games coming out on nintendo systems and some of them are very good and i need to try more but this is one of the very best ones for for the wii u so definitely recommend checking it out kirby really is like the burger bun of nintendo's franchises he just yes. fits in anything and you just put him there and he's always if tasty in doubt, bring out a kirby game like yeah, any time basically. of a console life cycle just any just get it out do it yeah absolutely uh great uh my number six is the original donkey kong country uh on the super very nintendo very good um i i'm really surprised that i even like this game uh, whatsoever because uh, i have never been a fan of its art style as someone who didn't grow up in the 16-bit era it's never appeared to appeal to me looks wise still looks pretty bad uh but i think actually on the super nintendo classic if you apply the kind of um the crt filter it actually helps a huge amount uh add some look... more vaseline to that vaseline it'll it works out yeah basically like it makes it look far less <laughs> pixely and it stands out much more nicely on the screen um when you do that when you apply it uh but the one thing that is so great about this game is how well it controls it feels perfect like it feels exactly how you want donkey kong to move um and rolling with him and switching between diddy it's the levels are pretty satisfying but they are very tough and there is a lot of bs i think like in some of the later ones where things kind of jump out of nowhere at you and like oh god's sake um which i get annoyed with in in like mario games but it's quite zoomed in like you don't see very far in front of dk right so they can surprise you essentially but i think that i i just generally like the feel and the mechanics of donkey kong more than i like mario and i think we both agree on that so yeah yeah we've said that before so replaying levels or going back through is not something that i find is a chore in these games like i just i kind of just enjoy trying to nail those jumps because a lot of donkey kong games are about nailing sequences where you're just doing bounce from thing to thing to thing and you'll have a lot of momentum behind you um and that is the case with like the minecraft or not minecraft minecart should i say levels uh here and uh <laughs> it's permeated your brain 
Yeah, I know. God, uh, it's it's permeated the entire universe, Bali. Um, but there is just a general sense of uh, speed and uh, and momentum, and uh, I I really enjoyed going through it. It's uh, it's a very cool game, and I am now more open to maybe playing the other Super Nintendo ones, which I didn't think I would say, but hey. There you go. It uh, kind of came out of nowhere because I was like, someone in the Discord was like, hey, NBZ, you should play Donkey Kong Country. You need to play it. And I'm like, oh, fine, I guess I'll play it. Uh, and then, yeah, it just came out. I was like, oh my God, this is actually really good. So there you go. Donkey Kong Country <laughs> made my list. Yeah. My number five is Wario Land Shake Dimension or Shake It. Um, oh, right. I, I just forgot you played this this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, come up a lot recently. Yeah. So. I did play quite a lot this year, actually. So yeah, pleased with myself. Um, this is a very, very good two D platformer. Uh, I think it's my favorite Warrior Land. I think it's stronger than four. It does. It's an easier game than four, but it looks better than four, and it's just got some nicer level design. I feel. Um, also, it's not got brutally difficult bosses. Although the final boss in this game is very challenging. Uh, I. Said on the show, I wasn't a huge fan of most of the Wii remote stuff, although the aiming when you're kind of in a cannon and stuff can be quite interesting. I did enjoy that aspect. Uh, I think that other stuff, just like the enemies, the themes of the worlds are very strong in this game. And as a complete package, it's just got like some really interesting cutscenes and has this perfect cartoon look that it it could just be like literally a saturday morning cartoon it's perfect um and i don't know where warrior land's gonna go next like i'd love just another game like this on switch new levels bigger better let's do it like i I, it's a really great uh formula and this game was from quite a while ago i want to say it's been too long it's been way too long. We need Wario to come out of his darkness and re-embrace us and uh, steal some more things. Is this the he... most recent one? I think so. Uh, yeah. I... It's like 2008. Right. It's been a long time since a mainline Wario Land uh, game. Because normally um, you think about like F-Zero and yeah. I guess before Samus Returns came out, it's Metroid. Uh, but I think that... it's because Nintendo has so many platforming series that it's often easy to forget something like Wario yeah. Land. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's a shame because it is the more one of the more unique ones in their arsenal. Yeah, we've said um, it before. We, we like Wario and DK the best. They're the best ones. Nintendo. Yeah, probably more overall. of them, please. Yeah, fuck Yoshi and Kirby. They yeah, Yoshi get and out. Kirby. They just keep coming out all over the shop, but we don't yeah. want them. We want DK no. and uh, Wario. Yeah, they're the best. Um, so my number five is Wolfenstein: The New Order, oh, uh, which is the first Wolfenstein game that you've actually been watching a playthrough of. I've just start. I've watched the first three episodes of the Let's Play you recommended me. MZ, yeah, and yeah, me and Caroline really enjoying it. It's very, very gruesome and, and dark. Oh boy! If you think that's bad, just wait till you get to New Colossus. I'll oh, tell you that much. So yeah, and I do um, plan on picking up New Colossus next year, assuming yeah. I enjoyed the rest of the Let's Play, which I'm sure. enjoying so far. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's cool. I think um, one of the first things that happens in that game is you make a major choice uh, as to a certain story beat, and yeah. that will play out depending on who you choose um, and. 
and I've not gone back and seen the other stuff, but that carries over into the second game as well, if you choose the same person. Um, so it's interesting that they have this kind of branching narrative that uh, is, like gives you completely different cutscenes and everything, depending on, on how that goes. And there are not many games that are bold enough to do that. I think The Witcher 2 is one that does it pretty uh, definitively. Witcher 2 is actually kind of crazy in the way it does it, because there is so much... Like, you go to a completely different town in Witcher 2, uh, depending on one choice you make. And it's like... Wow a good two-thirds of the game that's made up of that so uh, i always like it when when game makers do that but wolfenstein the new order is just such a great fun shooter uh that play it on easy and just blast your way through nazis because you can just the the best thing about it is um taking two guns and dual wielding them and the shotgun is incredible in this series and so i'm just rolling around with double shotgun running down these corridors taking down nazis and it feels amazing um uh, yeah so that stuff is fantastic but i also think it does quiet moments really well like there are some really tense scenes where you're just walking around and looking at environmental stuff and reading documents and kind of getting a sense of the world and what happened and how the nazis took over and and kind of the the key players and who the villains are and 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 just great characterization generally just really well voice acted and motion captured and um there's some just well done relationship stuff uh, in this game it's just really smartly put together um and i think the second game is miles better than it but i still think this game is good enough to be number five in, in this list this year um mm. so yeah i think it's uh it was a great stepping stone to what they did next and uh just a great fun game that uh, i would recommend people just blast through and enjoy the ride uh great wolfstein the order my number five my number four is advance wars 2 a black hole rising yeah there we go <laughs> um i had been meaning for a long time to play this game and i can't believe i waited so long because it is a fantastic game it is it is a jump up in difficulty and scope versus the first advance wars it's definitely a much harder game it's there's a lot of bs to be frank if you, yeah if, there's one way of looking at it where there's basically cannons and stuff i mean look i'm i will openly say that fire emblem conquest has a lot of bs but i still love it you know right, like i right. i love that challenge for me in that style of game and i think it's the same for you when it comes to advanced wars yeah it, like it's a much longer experience is a much tougher one and i just i had a massive advanced wars itch and i was just like right let's do it and i still need to play dual strike uh and um Dark Conflict, Dark I think. Conflict, that's yeah. the second one on DS, yeah. So it's still need to play both of those. And obviously there's stuff like Tiny Metal coming to Switch and Wargroove. So like yeah, we're in a renaissance for Advance Wars stuff. Yeah, so, and who knows, it might be another Advance Wars. Yeah. I'm less confident of that one with yeah. Fire Emblem coming to Switch. But uh, this is a very, very strong Advance Wars game. I would not recommend playing it if you've not played the first. I don't think it's that easy or fun to jump into out of nowhere. But if you enjoyed the first and you want some more it's bigger and better and there are just some really great campaign missions that are much longer and tougher and interesting stuff happens like i, I think the story is, is zany and cutesy in the same style as the first game uh and they introduces more characters that have like some unique powers and stuff like that i think it's it's a very important uh improvement on the first game uh that i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed but i wouldn't recommend it to everyone but i did enjoy it a ton great 
my number four is a game we've been playing a lot of recently, and which you talked about last uh, on the what we've been playing segment. Uh, that is Rocket League uh, on Nintendo Switch, um, and you know this you know this game has been out for a long time. Uh, it's a new release on Switch, but because it came out earlier on other platforms we do count it uh, as an old game uh but i've been having a great time with rocket league i think it's been a huge amount of fun it's something that i didn't expect to really get into that's why i was very like when we asked for the review code i was like okay i'm just going to give this to bali and not really care about it and maybe wait for a sale um but when it ended up that i got to play it anyway i was actually kind of thrilled about it because it is uh, a real unique thing that just feels good to play you know like there's something about controlling that car and zooming around and boost jumping and flipping through the air and when you finally make contact with the ball and score a goal there's it's just an incredible kind of elation of feeling uh Mm. that that game gives you um so yeah i i've really loved it i think we've just talked about it a lot recently so it's hard to like say more uh but rocket league is just it's a solid game to have in multiplayer rotation like now the switch has mario kart and arms and splatoon and rocket league very easily joins the ranks of those as if nintendo want me to pay the money for next year for the online account i think rocket league will play a big part in me paying that amount Mm. um for sure well, you said you don't want to talk more about it, but Rocket League is my number three. MBZ. Oh, well, there uh, we go. Let's I, talk about it more. This It's currently me and Caroline's go-to multiplayer game. And we I, the most time I've spent on this game has been local multiplayer with Caroline, where we play with some bots and just playing opposing teams, both two-on-two and three-on-threes. We are both getting much, much, much better at this game. I am. We're playing with like the computer on the second hardest difficulty now. Uh, okay. And really, really enjoying it. Sort of working out some really like fancy shots and shots from angles, and and doing the the sort of the side flip a lot more than the front flip to get certain angles on things. Right. And yeah. Spiking the ball out of the sky and just more aggressive plays essentially. Uh, I'm really getting into it. I'm absolutely loving it. I agree with you. It could be a huge factor in paying for some online next year. Uh, I know I, I said I'll go back to some Splatoon 2, but I mean, this is hooking me hugely at the moment. And yeah, it's... Yeah, like the Splatoon 2 update came out and I still haven't gone back to it. It's probably because Xenoblade and Zelda and all this other stuff is happening. It's just absurd. God. So yeah, we just need like a little break in 2018, please, where just something doesn't come out for maybe two or three <laughs> months and then we can catch up on a few things. That'd be greatly Imagine like uh, us saying that now, having lived through the Wii U era of drought after drought, like man, it's it's crazy yeah. isn't it it's um, it's so much uh but yeah obviously this game came out in 2015 but it's a fantastic fantastic game and i'm still gonna play a ton of hours into it so yeah, yeah it's league. um it's i think the best thing about rocket league is that it has a very strong community around it which means that it's gonna be a thing you can have no worries about jumping in and getting matches for um and as i said i think mm. when we talked about it last time the best thing about this game is that it has crossplay with the other platforms um and you know as much as sony are being stubborn well guess what nintendo and microsoft are reaping the benefit of just having this massive pool of players to draw on uh it's just been great so good stuff so uh, that was your number three as well so i guess it's back to me again That's number three your number three my number three is Severed from Drinkbox mm. Studios. Um, 
it's a game that I've been meaning to get around to for a very long time uh, because I, I love the pedigree of that studio. They made Guacamele. They just announced Guacamele 2 is coming out uh, hopefully next year. Uh, and they made Mutant Blobs Attack, all of which I have just really loved. They're all so completely different in style and gameplay, but um, they're all excellent games. And Severed is among you know some of the best stuff I've played on Vita. It is an excellent touchscreen-based game that leverages those ideas in a way that is smart and not spammy. It makes you think about every movement you make. It makes you not rush in and has systems in place to force you to not spam slashes here and there. Um, it has a dungeon-crawling uh, kind of first-person nature to it, but it also has a Metroid map so that you don't get lost very easily. Um, like, finding upgrades is cool. There are secrets and uh, hidden things that uh, are very unique and interesting to figure out. Um, and just the the whole combat scenario of trying to juggle enemies and the timers on the bottom of the screen and making sure you have one like uh, calm down before you focus on the other one that's just about to pop up is it's a real intensity but it feels so good when you have the rhythm going and you're figuring it out and you're getting through and, and taking enemies down uh it's out on switch i believe already yep. so yep. hopefully uh next year Bali, you'll have a window where you can pick it up but yeah, uh, I'd like it to. is it's really awesome and it just cements drinkbox as one of my favorite independent developers they they always do something different um and you know i love that they're doing guacamole too i'm a little bit disappointed that they're not doing something weird and different but i'm sure they will do in the future uh but yeah they are excellent developers and severed it sits highly on this list for a reason uh, i loved it i think it's great my number two uh is going right back to the very first game i played this year at your house mbz this is of course brothers a tale of two sons oh my um, god i'm surprised this didn't get number one Mali, that's crazy i mean it was tough it was tight between this and my number one um yeah but i don't want to spoil any of the story of this game uh but i just want to talk about how it made me feel and it made me feel a lot because this game is it's one of the most perfect two to three hour uh gaming experiences i've ever had uh it was really nice just to be able to go around to your house and you'd play the game before so any bits that i was really struggling with and there were maybe a handful not too many um, yeah there was one bit that to... i forgot about that i had struggled with as well and right. i had to look it up but uh, aside were, from that you were able to fine. advise me and there were a few moments but the idea of combining narrative with gameplay and linking that those two which games do so uniquely versus any other medium uh is just a reason why this game is so strong and of course a way out is coming out next year i believe yeah uh, it is i it's looking grim for that thing to come to switch i don't think that game's gonna make it but i mean not to say it's gonna be an incredible game and brothers a tale of two sons i know the, des the designer went off on one at the game awards i've forgotten his name he did yeah joseph Farris, like he is yeah. he, oh boy he's a he's a personality for sure yeah um, but but he did make what i consider is one of the greatest games ever made so i kind i kind of like give him license to kind of do what he wants almost um because yeah. i think a way out does look incredible as well and like and he I, was ultimately saying like screw films games are like the ultimate medium and yeah general, and i think I mean, actually um, among all game developers he's one of the most uniquely qualified people to actually say that because he made a game which is so uniquely narrative through right. gameplay um, yeah so. and like i hope a way out and i presume a way out will be very similar in that aspect and it's it's looking it's looking great uh, i think the ending of this game is incredible i don't want to spoil it 
if you haven't played this game you have to like i i have every intention to like play it with caroline at some point i've been i've been very careful to not tell her too much about the story yeah. or anything but she's very keen to play it with me at some point uh no, that sounds great who knows maybe this game could come to switch but we'll see we'll see uh, it is ea after all <laughs> it is ea and what an, yeah just what a game well um, i guess ea didn't actually publish uh brothers but they are dealing with a way out yeah so. yeah so th- there's a there's hope but yeah i absolutely love this game and it was a great way to kick off the end and actually looking back i was in a bit of a gaming funk at that point in time like i'd i'd bought a lot of very long games i'd very i'd completed and played very few of them and i was playing smaller games that weren't really that exciting and i was like oh like i need just something i just need a game that gets me reinvigorated about video games again and yeah yeah this game was the perfect game for that and i went on to play some great games this year as i've discussed many of them and obviously the switch the switch like was um a huge thing in and of itself to spur me on to play more games but yeah brothers 100 what, what a game um mbz so uh from one game that i wanted you to play for a freaking forever to another game that you wanted me <laughs> to play for freaking forever it's donkey kong country tropical freeze uh number two. Oh, here we go it gets so many shout outs it does uh i don't know if i have anything to say about this game because we talk about it way no, too no one knows anything much. about it MBZ. you might as well <laughs> give them the details yeah i don't know i think tropical freeze is unique in its uh blend of creativity with level design um where you have the moments of uh a thematic thing about the level being integrated with the mechanic that the level uh, is trying to teach you and get you involved with um it's exceptional that stuff like i think it is unparalleled when it comes to creativity and level design um and it's just a really great controlling game donkey kong as i said with the original donkey kong country has a certain feel to it and so you take a platformer that feels this good to play add in like the bonus characters like dixie and cranky dixie being the main one who actually makes this game fun uh, because she gets you out of a lot of tight situations uh it is uh it's a great thrill ride and i think it has flaws uh and they are rather large uh, from my perspective like the bosses are annoying uh, in the design and lives is obviously a thing that is frustrating but all that said the fact that it's able to you know do so much well uh, despite those uh, important flaws i have to give it so much praise um it's a fantastic platformer fantastic game uh we love it for a reason i guess so there you go Donkey Kong country tropical freeze number two on my list this year earlier in the show mz you talked about xenoblade and the way that you just played 3.5 hours and you were like wow i can't even even believe time has moved that much uh, what is going on uh this game did that to me a lot uh and i'm ashamed to say i'm only 35 hours in and i'm only about halfway i would say in the amount of time i want to spend with this game uh it's a long game and that game is stardew valley yeah Uh, i when you played this game last year, and there's a lot of people's games of game of the year last year for 2016, and rightly so, because I was like, right, well, I've played Friends of Min- Harvest Moon, Friends of Mineral Town, and like MBZ, he's not really played that game. He's played other Harvest Moon games, but he's super positive on this. Like, I'm really interested to know how much it steps up that formula and what it does new and all these things. And it just does every not everything new, but there's so much new stuff in it and so many more options. And it smooths out a lot of the stuff that Harvest Moon struggles with. 
uh, and it's such an overall smooth experience. You always want to play one more day. I just want to play one more day, and it literally took Mario Odyssey to stop me playing this game. That's how good it is, and I really want to dive back into it before the end of the year, and maybe even into the start of 2018, because... I feel like I've barely scratched the surface of what I can do with this game and like where my farm is going and what I want to achieve because there's just so many characters I've barely interacted with and I know there's huge things like the desert that I've not been to yet and there's loads of different things that you can do and you can play it for two hours at a time and then each two hours do something completely different and still have a really enjoyable experience that contributes to the growth of your farm and ultimately making more money. Uh, more gains more money more vegetables more everything like you just want everything in this game um and There's so many layers it just layers upon layers of complexity exactly and, and like you yeah. sunk another eight hours just like fiddling with your farm for a bit i know <laughs> i was like oh I'm, i'll just play like an hour of stardew to reacclimatize myself to talk about it on the show again and i just fell down the hole <laughs> like super hard i was yeah. like oh shit like this yeah. game oh it, it is a time vampire for sure if you want yeah. a definition of that that is stardew valley and it works beautifully on switch it runs very well i know there are a couple of updates that ironed out a few of the, the they sped up parts. the load times i think and stuff yeah like they that. sped yeah. stuff up like that and it it's just the perfect uh, pick up and go game when you're on the go or when you're at home it still looks great on a big screen like it's it's a hugely hugely uh like great game to have on switch i'm so glad it made it and i'm glad it made it this year because i knew know it was in the in the running for a long time and obviously there's the multiplayer to come likely in 2018 i believe so we can get on that mbz if it's cross-platform yeah. i don't know that would be really cool if we had like a combo farm together and just hung out and did that that would be amazing uh, i uh, i hope they do that i hope it, it works out but uh we shall see um anything else to say on stardew valley valley it's going to feature very highly in the next top 50 games of all time. <laughs> I'm very going to be good. Pushing, very pushing good. hard. Yes. No, hard, I, you, uh, won't, you won't have any trouble getting that up the list. Right. Because sure. it jumps all over Harvest Moon, Friends of Mineral Town. Friends of Mineral Town was a great first step. Don't get me wrong. But this game is a great For its time evolution. as well. You know, for, for its, its time, time. It did incredibly well. But taking uh, that concept and going another step further, it, this game does it perfectly. Yeah. It pretty much is the perfection of that formula. Uh, I'm I'm so glad it came to Switch because I knew this was a game that you would fall in love with. It's a sort um, of game that in like 20 years, every 10 years of my life, I'm going to want to restart it from like ground up and just yeah. go for something different, you know? Yeah, it's that totally. Kind of, and it's Absolutely. a real, it's a real, real special game. Uh, really good. Excellent. Uh, well, my number one uh, will come as no surprise if you have uh, seen me on Twitter this year and just known how much I've played of this game. I played this game more than any other game this year, which in the year of Zelda and Xenoblade 2 and uh, Persona 5. Which month did you start playing this game? Uh, in April, I think, or May. Right. Okay. And. I played it last week as well, so <laughs> I've been you tell me consistent. like once a week I play this game every every day. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I never do anymore with video games because I'm not like you know when back in the day with Pokemon I used to play you know that one game forever constantly throughout the year and I just don't do that anymore because that's the nature of the show. We like talked about a lot of stuff, but this game is so fucking good that I can't drag myself away from it. And that game is Overwatch. And if I had, if if I send this podcast back in time to me in 2016 when Overwatch was coming out, 
I would have been like, who are you? You're not NBZ. I don't know this person. Um, because when Overwatch first came out, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this looks really cool. Like the characters are uh, cool. But when I was watching a live stream that Giant Bomb did, I was starting to feel very motion sick when I was watching them. Oh, and I didn't know what was up, like whether it was that specific thing or what, but I didn't feel the need to jump into Overwatch because I didn't I didn't know, you know, whether it was going to be able to be a game that I would play and enjoy or whether I just feel horribly sick the whole time, as I always do with first-person games. Um, and then they had a free weekend uh, for the anniversary. It was the one-year anniversary of Overwatch back at the start of this year. And I was like, okay, I'll jump in and start playing it. And not only did I not get motion sickness... But around 40 minutes into this game, I had this like revelation in my mind where I'm like enjoying this game so much that I'm like, this, I think this is one of the best games I've ever played. Like, I honestly think this is one of the best games that has ever been made. It is so incredible in so many aspects. Um, and it kind of shocked me that this team based multiplayer shooter with these colorful characters was something that for me personally would be up there in the rankings of my favorite games of all time and it's crazy that after such little time with the game i could make that statement but there is something about the world and the feel and the characters and the just unbelievable variety in gameplay styles in overwatch that makes it an experience that is constantly um fresh and interesting to go back to like i could spend 15 hours playing mercy which i have done and enjoy healing and getting my team to work together and, and help everyone and like getting uh you know thanks for like healing people and doing well and, and doing all this stuff and then i switch to someone like mccree and suddenly i'm a cowboy like shooting people down from a distance and rolling around and uh, stunning them and like taking them down with uh, my bullets as fast as possible to being a roadhog and like using a hook to yank someone towards me and just tanking damage and healing myself up when i'm worn down it is the characters are all so completely different that it feels like you're playing a brand new game every time you pick one up. And there are so many of them. The difficulty in balancing that must be insane. Uh, yeah, of course it is. And they're constantly updating it. They're constantly changing it. Like Mercy got completely changed this year where she used to be able to resurrect a whole team with her ultimate ability. And now like that got nerfed down to where she can only do it as like a standard ability to one person at a time. And so her ultimate got changed to like this thing where she can fly anywhere through the air and just shoot people, which is a lot of fun. And I've enjoyed doing that. But like Overwatch is just a game that is constantly alive. And when I talked about Rocket League earlier, one of the benefits I said was that it's crossplay and there's a huge community around it. The community around Overwatch is just so incredibly enormous. Like, not only just the fan art and all the stuff that is surrounding it, but, like, Blizzard leans into it with their mini animations they do, which are just so good. I, I, I don't think you've ever watched any of them, Bally. Um, and I'm not sure, like, they would make as big an impact until you start playing the game. Mm. But they are, like, Pixar-level quality, like, mini-movies that Blizzard oh, put yeah, out. cool. Um, they are excellent. And uh, there are so many people playing this game. So many people love it. It's, like, so cosplayed everywhere. Uh, but it is for a reason it's because the game is exceptional like it is so exceptional to play it feels fantastic all the characters are different and it's always a different experience they're always adding things there are like event things and all that stuff and obviously loot boxes have had a rough year uh, we'll say that much um but the stuff they do with cosmetics and overwatch makes you want to like a loot box which is not something that people think right now uh and yet uh 
they pull that off like i keep playing because i want to get another loot box for leveling up so i can maybe get a cool skin and then like just go around with it with my character which is so dumb because i always criticized overwatch for the fact that it's a first person game so why the hell would you want a skin because you never see yourself um but you know there are moments when you can see your character like um when you're in the uh, loading area when you, before you start the match you can like do emotes and stuff and see your character uh there are play of the game things where you see your um your skin in in the like mvp thing there's a lot of that stuff which leverages the fact that these are characters with designs as opposed to just being a first person game and even in the first person animations like the little hand movements and gestures there's there's a reason people i think compare blizzard to nintendo in the way that on PC, they are basically the Nintendo of that space, where their games are so incredibly polished and well-designed and well-thought-out and are always gameplay first. But also, Blizzard has a great knack for storytelling and world design that Nintendo just doesn't. Um, and so I think that they leverage that strength incredibly with the cast they have uh, and, and just everything they do around this game. It's phenomenal. I will keep playing it into next year and I'll keep playing it forever and ever. I i i love this game it's incredible overwatch my number one without a question without a shadow of a doubt so there you go there uh go. do you want to count down your top 10 and i'll do mine again uh, one more sure time. so my top 10 are number 10 f0 number nine swords and soldiers 2 number eight retro city rampage dx number seven thomas was alone Number six, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. Number five, Warrior Land Shake It. Number four, Advance Wars 2, Black Hole Rising. Number three, Rocket League. Number two, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Number one, Stardew Valley. Great list. Uh, and mine is number 10, Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. Number nine, Super Castlevania 4. Number eight, Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. Number seven, No More Heroes 2. Number six, Donkey Kong Country. Number five, Wolfenstein The New Order. Number four, Rocket League. Number three, Severed. Number two, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. And number one, Overwatch. Uh, A couple of DK games there. there. Very good. Yeah, I know. Somehow, uh, Donkey Kong's wormed his way into my heart. (laughs) All your fault, basically. Uh, (laughs) But there we go. It it did happen in the end. Um, So, yeah, that's that's it was an okay year, I think, for old games that we played yeah. in 2017 it was surprisingly good considering the switch launch uh yeah and the pretty games much that came out this year the avalanche of games uh we should say um and i mean like it impacted your list quite a bit because rocket league and stardew are like old games but they were also new games because they came out on switch this year right and then i spent at least like 50 hours on just those games <laughs> exactly alone, so. yeah exactly um so so yeah, I think that's uh, where we wrap things up for this uh, episode. Uh, before we go, though, we have a few things to talk about because it's the end of the year and there's a lot of things uh, to uh, discuss. Uh, first things first, our Patreon is doing very well. So thank you, everyone, for supporting us. We are now over our second goal, which means our second Patreon-exclusive podcast will be going up uh, in January. Uh, we're going to be talking about Star Wars and our childhood experiences with Star Wars. It's going to be a fun talk, especially after The Last Jedi comes out, which we are yeah. both uh losing our minds overseeing yeah. very and we, soon um, and we've also just done our first episode patreon episode of tnl ranks which yes. we talked about our top five 2d platformers of all time if you're starved for content about people liking tropical freeze let me tell you you should probably subscribe to our patreon so you can hear more of that yeah i mean for two dollars a month you get to listen to me wax lyrical about that game it's what more could you want 
absolutely um so yeah if you're a two dollar patron you have access to that uh so if you would like to support us uh you'll get access to a bunch of these podcasts and eventually down the line you'll get access to a lot of podcasts um so, so that's cool stuff and we must up. of course give shout outs to our ten dollar tier supporters indeed bali please uh, do which that of course our tnl ambassadors i should say uh so our first ambassador is alex c uh, we'll, we'll check with you next time if you want your surname read out just to make sure and of course our other tnl ambassador is my girlfriend caroline very uh, very who, nice thank you very much for supporting us for on the ten dollar tier and caroline wanted a quick word uh she wanted to submit a very late entry of her top five games of the year that didn't actually come out this year great i want to hear this right list. here we go number five mario kart 8 we've played a ton oh of really that. only number five i <laughs> thought mario kart would be higher than that we have played a ton of that game this year. Number four, Rocket League. Oh, nice. Number three, Mario Kart. Zelda, Link Between Worlds. Okay, uh, so yeah. We played that right at the start this year. Number two, Harvest Moon DS. Uh, oh, man. I, I played a bit of that back in the day, but it glitched out on me. And then her number one is The Sims 3. Uh, oh, so, nice. Yeah. Does so she have that on her laptop then? Yes, she does. Oh, excellent. Um, she's a big fan of that. But yeah, thank you to all our patrons, not just our TNL ambassadors. And yeah, if you want to support us on Patreon, we are on, it's linked to our Twitter or just look for This Nintendo Life on Patreon and you'll find us. Uh, re- we are really appreciative of your support. Help us get to our next goal. We love it absolutely uh that's been uh, a great thing to see grow uh, so thank you everyone who jumped on board since last time uh, and hopefully we'll uh, keep going with that and uh getting close to our third goal now so if you'd like to support us uh, please go ahead uh, that would be very much appreciated uh, uh so let's plug other things and get out of here we're still doing our final fantasy 6 backlog club uh we'll be doing that probably start of february end of january right. uh, next More year details to come get yep, playing so, uh, keep playing that uh, i know i'll be starting it in the new year so i'm looking forward to that uh we also have uh another game of the year podcast coming up next time uh so if you would like to submit a list for your 2017 game of the years you can send that to our email address which is valley this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com please send in your games of the year for 2017 we want to hear them yes we have a few already because people submitted uh those along with that old list uh, but we uh, would like to have some more uh, have a big conversation about all the best games and uh, yeah you can also submit that to our discord channel which you can find on our twitter uh, our twitter is at tnl podcast uh, you can find that on the internet you can also find me on the internet i'm at lord nbz what about you bally I'm at Ballyman91, B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1 on Twitter. Definitely give me a follow. I tweet loads of great stuff. Uh, yes, very self-aggrandizing. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, uh, everyone, for listening. You can find us on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on every good podcast uh, catcher cast. Well, that that name just really gets me now, Ballyman. Podcast Um So you can find us there. You know, uh, it's easy to download. And also, I should probably make a note that if you do subscribe to the Patreon, you get a link to an RSS feed, which will basically give your patron podcast directly to whatever podcast app you use. I use Pocket Casts, and I've tested it out, and it works perfectly i have the patreon podcast in my normal podcast feed um which is fantastic so if you're worried that you have to like sit at a computer to listen to it or like use the youtube video don't worry about that if you want to get the patreon podcast you can get them through an rss feed directly from patreon themselves so that's a great implementation thank them for that let us know if you have any issues with that on email or discord server we'll absolutely Yep, we will do that. Uh, so there we go. Uh, thank you, Bali, for joining me for this uh, first game thank of the you. year podcast. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Oh, it's going to uh, be a good one. Time.
and uh if you want to hear some arguing that will happen or maybe some agreement i don't know <laughs> we'll see where it, where it lands uh but that will be next time on uh, this nintendo live so thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you another two weeks time on christmas day in fact uh for the final episode of the year so join us then uh hope you all have good holidays uh, and uh goodbye interludes used on today's show were Indoline Praetorium Day and Where We Used to Be from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, copyright Monolith Soft Nintendo 2017.